welcome everyone to another episode of Weekly Games Chat. I am one of your hosts, Chris. You might notice that one of our hosts appears to be missing, and we did not expect this, but our friend Sean is currently at least delayed for this episode. He might show up later, but I promise to you it's for a good reason. Um, and if he can join us, we will be glad to welcome him. If not, then I am sure he will be back next week. But the good news is, is that my other co-host, John, is here. So, hello, John. How are you? Chris, I'm doing well. I hope you are, too. I'd like to point out that whenever I'm gone, Mm -hmm. I notice that the photo in place of me is often very disrespectful. Yes. But here it seems a little bit celebratory of Sean and his character. I, I'll apologize for this because normally, <laughs> you know, I would, you know, I would definitely go out there and find something of Sean that uh, was not flattering. Um, though, I mean, come on, man, that one of you in the trench coat, the briefcase, I think, you know, it's very John wick photo of you i don't remember that one the from way back when you did those shots with bk and you guys were Mm. both wearing the trench coats and you had like sunglasses on your like i said very john wick but uh no because sean like told me this about three minutes ago i had to just go to my computer and go do i have a stock photo and i'd recently worked on um he this is the shot that we have on here is kind of one that he got taken of him while he was djing and he was like hey can you make this a backdrop for my logo, you know, cause I want to mm-hmm. use that. And I was like, sure. So I had this on standby cause I just did this like a week ago or two. So that's the only reason why if, 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 if I knew he wasn't going to be here an hour ago, I would have been <laughs> going through his Facebook going like, where's you, you the gem? Been, you would have been ready. <laughs> yes. I, I would have definitely been ready for it. Uh, this is episode three seventy nine of weekly games chat. Uh, what up to our folks on Twitch, twitch.tv slash weekly games chat. You can watch us every Tuesday if you wish. Uh, find us over there, uh, usually around 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So figure out where that is, wherever you live. And you can join us just like Drama has. And he says, what's up, peeps? What up, Drama? I hope you weren't here for Sean. Hope you're sticking around for me and John. <laughs> but Besides that, uh, John, have you had a good week? Well, if I can't remember much, then I suppose it was good. And that's mm. not because I was on drugs or drunk, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just an old man, and things just slip through my ears, and I just don't remember much. Clarissa was out of town uh, over the weekend. Oh, uh, I saw which that. Is probably, which is probably why I got a good part of the topic done that makes sense <laughs> but, uh, you know what i should have put two or two together that that's the reason why <laughs> but um you know it, it's it's uh i had a lot of things i need i wanted to do this weekend mm-hmm. but um i was i was gaming like i was in my 20s i was staying up till three and four waking up trying to wake up at a not so unreasonable hour like maybe i was trying to get rolling around nine nine and ten uh and but because i was gaming so hard i was just tired and i couldn't i couldn't get out into the yard and do things and you know but so i you know if, since i was too tired what did i do i just kept on doing this yeah <laughs> and so i had a had a pretty good uh pretty good time doing that but clarissa 
went out to Texas with a cousin to be, I guess this is kind of an intro topic if you, if you want to call it that. Um, cause it just occurred to me. She, uh, she, and she, cause I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've, uh, talk to talk to the audience about this or talk to you about this, but you you're familiar with the fact that she got reconnected with uh, extended, not extended, but her father's side of the family on 23 and me. It's like something out of a lifetime movie. Um, So she went out to Texas to see her aunt for the first time, aunt Lynn and who is, who is her father's bio dad, um, her, her father's sister. Yeah. I think I have that right. And so, she sent me like a picture of aunt Lynn and I looked at it and I was, I looked at it and it was a double take. I mean, these two could have been sisters from different generations. It was bizarre. And she had been told, and a lot of this connection got kind of uh, postponed due to COVID and everything like that. We just couldn't connect with people, but um, she had been told all this time that she looks exactly like her aunt Lynn. And sure enough, picture after picture after picture, it was like it was like looking at my wife back in the seventies. It was it was bizarre. Yeah, but I it can, was very uh, very emotional. Aunt Lim was very happy to see her. Um, just kind of an emotional. It was a quick weekend visit. Um, left Friday, came back Sunday, but um, just kind of an intro thing. Mm-hmm. But while that was going on, um, yeah, I was <laughs> I was gaming pretty hard. So, well, there you go. Yeah, I. Uh, so, it's the South, and uh, that's where we live. And this is a wonderful weekend for me every year because it's bye week for Alabama. So it's the one time in the fall <laughs> that I I don't have to worry about anything except watching other teams and what they do, and just um, getting the opportunity to you know do whatever I want to. I actually ended up. Saturday night, um, for whatever reason, we decided we wanted to watch the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight. So we had like a potluck up at the brewery. It was fun times. We, we were, we had, you know, it was a lot of good friends up there and just, just having, you know, it was nice to do something in November that was, or well, October that wasn't completely centered around football. Um, because I don't know if you know this, John, this Saturday, we're all going to be watching football because you have your hardest game of the year so far. And we have arguably, I would say at this point might be our second or third hardest game of the year so far. Um, so I hope you're ready for that, John. Uh, no, I'm not Chris. And I want to say right off the bat, I make no promises about this weekend. I have no sure. idea how it's going to go. I have to because- say, I'm rooting against you, but it's for the sake of my team. I need your team to lose so that I have my team has a chance for revenge. That's that's the only reason I would ever root for Tennessee right now. <laughs> for the purpose of getting another shot at Tennessee? Yeah, in the SEC I, championship. Gotcha. Yeah. It, it looks well, why good. wouldn't uh why wouldn't it just be Tennessee and Georgia? Well, because you guys are both in the East, we're, gotcha. we're we're in the West, so that's the way that works. Uh, yeah, I'll be rooting hard against Old Miss Saturday too, because if we beat LSU, then we would effectively win the SEC West with this victory. Um, 
as long as we can do our business and get it done. I hope it happens. Um, trying to think of anything else I could talk about. This is going to be the shortest intro. I guess we never really talked about, and it sucks Sean's not here, but uh, I forgot to bring up last week, you know, House of the Dragon wrapped up its first season. Uh, and I have to say, while I started, like, in the beginning, going, hmm, wonder where this is, how this is going to flow, because there's a lot of time jumps, and I was like, they're introducing some characters that show up at the earliest, the end of one episode, and are gone by the next one, because we'll skip two or three years in the process, right? So I was wondering how I was going to enjoy it, and I have to say, the final couple of episodes, even with the changes they made from the story, got me pretty hyped for this very, very long wait we're about to get to. Um, so I highly recommend if you are a fan of the original and especially the good parts of it, you know, the parts that I think everyone universally agrees were great um, from game of Thrones. I, I would highly suggest you take the time to go watch this because I think especially as you get to the final about three episodes of this season, you will feel like everything you watched previously works towards that and, and sets up not only big stakes for the end of that season, but obviously greater stakes as we go forward. Um, so I am, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, besides that, I don't really have anything else this week. I don't know. John, do you have anything? Cause well, I was like, going to, I was going to ask, um, I wanted to mention, um, something that's been irritating me about the movie black Adam, which I haven't seen. Uh, uh-huh. um, you know, everybody's so big on spoilers and kind of protecting spoilers on the internet when a, when a Marvel movie comes out or something like that. But this, and I'm not going to say it on air, you, you know, even though you, it seems like it's the worst kept spoiler in the history of, of, of comic book movies. Nobody is even trying to pretend that they don't know anything about. Yeah. And I don't, you probably know what I'm talking about. I do. And it's, it's like no one, no one, has enjoyed the, this was a this would have been a huge if there was if there was anything worth protecting as far as no spoilers in any movie it would have been this one i was so and i haven't seen it yet it's like the only reason i would have gone at this point now is is to see that moment now that i know it's happening because i'm curious to see what's going on um but i just i i just found it something that something that the internet has been asking for for a couple of years now yeah they're doing mm-hmm. and they as nobody nobody has any interest in the media of protecting the secret i don't know why it's it's it's, it's the most bizarre thing and i think the the weirder part of it is i want to say i think the way it got revealed specifically was because of all the other issues that have been going on with DC. My, my feeling is you don't do this at the end of black Adam, you know, no offense to black Adam. And I know it's done. Okay. Right. But like of the properties that we know they have movies shot for that are coming out and were expected to be out originally this year, this feels like something that should have been at the end of the flash movie because the flash movie has the potential to be the one where if it was good, you know, no offense again, the black M the flash is like one of the core justice league to people. Right. You know, and I think a lot of people want to see that movie 
and especially with uh, what's his face in there, uh, old Michael Keaton coming back as uh, as Batman. Whoa, 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 what? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Watch trailers. <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff. Like it, it just makes sense. Like this is where I would drop that, right? You know, kind of like if if all of a sudden, it, I mean, it would be the equivalent if we're just being honest. Like what they did would be like if next week for uh, for Black Panther you announced you could probably think of the kind of people they could announce and show at the end of that. Right. That would get the same level of anticipation. So I hear you on that. And I think once it was out there, they were just like, well, now we need to go promote it because you know, that's, that's a huge get to get him. <laughs> it, it really yeah. is. Um, yeah. But you know, in one, in one respect, maybe that maybe one respect that makes people want to go see it. Maybe mm. it keeps the box office numbers up a little bit. True. I True. meant to go see. I meant it's one of those things I meant to do over the weekend, but I just, I just got too bogged down in something. So the the important thing is now they have the right uh, entity from Donna the Dead running DC. So I'm interested to see what he does once he wraps up old Guardians of the Galaxy next May and starts. I'm not working. On I'm not. Con- I, I I'm I'm not convinced that he's the right guy for the job per mm. se. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I understand that he's done a lot of great things in the, in both the DC universe and, and Marvel, but yeah, a great, a, a great director doth not make a great creative. Sure. Necessarily. Sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I like, I like the work he's done. Guardians is some of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, my, my hope is that because of his pedigree at this point, right. To get him to do this, to agree to be this for them, mm-hmm. that he'll be able to do it. No one else probably since I guess Nolan right back with the dark Knight trilogy w- was able to do after the first or after the second movie, which is just put a wall up between Warner brothers head and DC studios and say, no, you worry about the marketing and, and you know, how much money I have, let me worry about running and doing what's right for this universe, right? Like you mean, that's you mean you mean keep your giant spiders over here? Yeah, and... yeah, exactly. Keep your John Peters over here. Uh yeah. if you've never heard that story, go find it. Is just do Kevin Smith, John Peters. You will be in for a treat. Trust us. Um, but you know, yeah, like someone like that, like where I think Kevin Feige has that at Marvel, right? Like, I don't think the heads of Disney are meddling too much with him at this point, telling him what he has to do um, in terms of story, right? Or where he's taking that universe. He's just more so going like, well, I, I think it'd be interesting if we tried this. Or even now, it feels like old Dave Filoni's becoming that way with Star Wars over there now too. Like, okay, no, Catherine Kennedy, you can just go over here. We're going to just trust in John Farfra and, and, and Dave Filoni and Everything I'm, those I'm two not, guys are putting out are great, right? I'm not confident Kathleen Kennedy is giving up that much. <laughs> True. But one one can hope. One can hope. Hopefully, I don't know, maybe Spielberg can rope her away and be like, come come work on indie with me. Yay. Come come back to Amblem. <laughs> yeah. Come back. Exactly. Okay. Well, now we've made it a 16 minute intro. So I think it's kind of enough, right? Like, well, yeah, I, I should say, I, I, I just want to respond to Crimson. Um, I'm oh. also excited about the expansion for Resident Evil. He's, uh, 
they're, they're uh, mentioning the fact that it's uh, now has a third person mode. So, so they're, they're ready to buy in on that. Nice. And I'm excited. I'm excited to play it again, like as if for the first time um, in a third person mode, don't worry. That game is still getting mailed out. I'm not playing that one. <laughs> <laughs> now that I love the game so much, I'm just going to grab it digitally. There you go. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and take this to a topic, which I think is going to be an interesting conversation. I got, these are, I think these are always a little bit more like there are two things that get me interested, like something like this where I'm like, man, no idea how John's going to grade this game. <laughs> and two, like would be if like all of us have played something and we can find out like, where are we all thinking about it? Right. So I, I'm excited for this one, but let's go to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to try to do this like Sean. If you've made it this far, then Which you made it unlikely. At this unlikely. Point. This is just going off the rails every five seconds. <laughs> and the breaks if we're talking if, about if, great Gatsby. And <laughs> if you're watching this for the first time on Twitch, stay with us. Don't go anywhere. It's okay. We'll get there. Please don't leave me. Or... <laughs> Or maybe we'll just cover To Kill a Mockingbird. I don't know. Um, but if you made it this far, then you know what time it is. You've seen the little, you know, tagline in the uh, in the blurb for the show that says topic time. Because this is topic time. Chris, and, what is our topic? Well, Joe, the topic is... Alright, listeners, it's time for your new episode of your favorite crime fighters. It's Gotham Nights! Uh, Chris, I played Sparks of Hope. Oh, that's what I play. Okay, Sparks of Hope. Uh, so, <laughs> you already done with Sparks of Hope? I am not. I've. I'll be honest. I'm taking my sweet time with that, doing everything. It's good to take your sweet time. Yeah. When you they said when you it. said like I've got this game on deck, I was like, you go right ahead, sir. <laughs> I'll just keep playing this game here until November 10th or 9th or wherever it is. So yeah. John, Gotham, is... I've got I've got Gotham Knights here. If you mm -hmm. haven't noticed, this came with the game last week. I just wanted to be symbolic and decorative. There we um, go. Ladies and gentlemen, home. John has a lit up keychain because he is a child. Um, but it says Gotham Knights, so it is topical. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. Yeah, it's very. So. One thing, one thing the audience really has to understand about this game, and I'll and I'll channel Dickens when I say this: Batman is dead. <gasps> Long live Batman! This must be this must be strictly understood, or nothing wonderful can happen in this story. I'm paraphrasing Dickens from A Christmas Carol when he's talking about 
Marley. If you haven't read that book, you should go read it. But that's invariant. That's very important to the story. Um, and very important to the characters because I don't know that this game would matter very much if he was alive, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and talk about the gorilla in the room. Yeah. Reviews on this game have been not great. No, <laughs> I think from a, I think from a triple a launch, it's probably the third worst reviewed game of the year. Right up there with Saint- Saints Row. Saints Row was second with a, I think a 61. And then there was, um, there was one down in the forties. Mm. I don't remember what it was, but it was a big deal at the time. Hmm. Um, so we've had a few duds according to, according to the media. Now there are a couple of things that I won't necessarily parse with, but one of the things I will say about this game right off the bat uh, that I want you guys to understand when I talk about it, I think this game is highly misunderstood. Hmm. Um, not only by the reviewers in general, but maybe by the developers themselves. But we'll see how it goes. Um, we all, if, if you haven't played any of the Arkham games, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, I think Chris and I agree collectively that our favorite is Arkham Asylum. Yeah. The, I- first, the first one. It's very, that one's very, people don't realize it, but not only was it the introduction of the of the the idea that a superhero game could be great, um, but it was a really great Metroidvania style game if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Arkham City uh, is probably widely considered the best out of all four of the Arkham games, um, and for good reason. I, I can't I can't parse with that, but all of them, all three of them, are pretty much the gold standard uh, when it comes to what superhero games should be at least prior to uh, the release of uh, Insomniac Spider-Man on the PlayStation four. Now, that being said, um, if you are, if, if you've got the Arkham game, if the, if you got the Arkham series in your head while playing this and initially I was guilty of that. I thought I was going to get more of that. Um, you're going to hate this game. If that's what you if that's what you went in wanting, you're not gonna you're you're not gonna be very receptive to what this game has to offer, and I think it has a lot to offer. I'm not gonna say it's um, by any stretch a perfect game, uh, perfectly executed. In many ways, this game was probably doomed to fail. Now we'll see how it does commercially. I'm hoping it does well commercially. Um, not that this necessarily means anything, Chris, but it hit number two on the UK sales charts. Does that mean anything globally? I don't know. We'll see. Number one, as you could probably guess, was FIFA still, and that will probably stay the same for a little while. So <clears throat> what that means as far as sales, I don't know. I'm hoping that it does well. I will tell you right off the bat, I'd like to see more of it. Um, mm-hmm. I would just so th- hope for their sake they sell enough because the one fear here is that they're going to shutter this studio, right? Like if this doesn't go well, like that, yeah. that's a very real possibility for these guys. Yeah. And you can see, um, it, you almost feel like WB made them do this game. It's like, we got to capitalize on what people want with the Arkham games. And then WB Montreal goes, okay, we'll do it, but we want to do it. We, we want to do it in a way that 
we think is unique and creative. And I think there, I, I think the idea from the jump and you, and you guys, and Chris, you remember this, this was probably in, I think this was in my top three or mm-hmm. it was either a top three or top five list most anticipated and they kept delaying it and they kept delaying it. One of the things that's important to understand about this game, it is, it has, it has some Arkham DNA. I can't deny that. But what it is at its core and what people might not have been willing to accept right off the jump was this is this game is an RPG at its core is what it is. Um, there's leveling, there's character classes, you know, there's there's different ways to, to upgrade that are more reminiscent of an RPG. One of the other things when you're playing this game, and I don't know this for a fact, but a lot of people have speculated that this game was probably under development when Marvel Avengers came out and it was probably going down the same road as Marvel Avengers. And when Marvel Avengers came out and we all remember how that went, they probably maybe switched gears because you can almost see some of the Marvel Avengers DNA in it, like something they were trying to do. That, I was going to say like the thing that's interesting talking about this game with you it's like i know i know your love for arkham i know your love even for arkham origin you were always yeah uh, yeah, you're a big defender which is their previous game and it's like for me you know like if if this game had like i wanted a batman game it's been so long you know it's 2015 right like since uh arkham knight right um so i've wanted like like literally folks just to get the point of how long it's been John and I talked about Arkham Knight on maybe the 10th episode, not even, I only think. I think it was like the 6th or 7th episode ever of Weekly Games Chat. Back then, Games and Games with Chris and Chris. John wasn't even full-time on (laughs) hosting yet. Like, he was just there. I brought him in because I'd played it, but I knew John loved the series. And I was like, you know, and, you know, I didn't want all my negative uh you know ways that i can be very critical i was like we should have a positive voice too um and you know i'm in retrospect very glad you were on that episode now but like it's interesting for me watching this because like reading these reviews and seeing the things in the game and looking at like from a ten thousand feet above level like i could see all the little issues that probably created these low review scores right and I don't think it's necessarily anything like these people didn't care about the game, right? Or aren't huge fans of Batman. Like, the one thing I've gathered is that, you know, combat isn't terrible. Like, it, it's, it's, like it's its own thing. It's not exactly Arkham. I'm sure you'll get into that. And the other thing is that if you're really a big fan of the DC lore, especially Batman, there's actually like some cool stuff here for you to get entertained by. It's just more of like what you're saying, right? Like it's pretty clear from when you look at the parts of the open world, I think it is right. That that was probably originally intended to be an Avengers, like, you know, you know, games as service type thing where they were going to, have you build out these four characters, take your time. Each one was going to be its own thing and you're going to grind them up and they were going to probably have skins that you would either have to acquire or go buy in a store, right? Like all of that to me says like, that's why that system is in there. And then like, there are other things too. We can get into those, but like, that was one of the key things. I'm like, man, I wonder what this game would have been if that wasn't 
something that was probably put on them because I don't think that's probably what they want to do. You know, I don't think that's anything any developer really is aiming towards, but it's it's one of those things like and that's the interesting part that makes this game interesting to discuss because you're just like you could see all these little choices over time getting to you getting you eventually to where we are today right which is not a great place uh, it, I, I i i don't think we're in a great place for sure but mm. the problem is i don't necessarily think that it's necessarily the studio's fault sure some of it is sure um but the Arkham games leave such a enormous shadow. I mean, anybody who's who's played those games, um, Rock City came out of nowhere. Arkham Asylum was Rock City's first game that they ever that they ever released. Mm-hmm. Those games loom loom very heavy over over WB Games Montreal. One of the things about Origins, and I will believe this to my dying day. I think the crit, uh, the critical reviews reflected the the fact that you're not rocksteady and we're not going to let you forget it. It's almost like you had no right to make to to, to do a game that was perfected by rocksteady. We want rocksteady to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's I don't think that's the case with everybody, but a lot of the reviews, um particularly certain outlets, I'll leave them unnamed, they gave them fours and fives. I think it was a very cynical review. Um and it's I, I can tell the audience right here and now, almost objectively, there's nothing about this game that's a four or five. That's that's that uh, that's hardly fair. And there were and 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 there were more four and fives than those specific outlets. So I, I understand that it's not th- that 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 particular opinion wasn't necessarily an outlier. Mm. But to start off, um, the game. The game is set in a world where Batman no longer exists. Um, and I think that that, to me, when I first heard about that, I was like, ooh, that sounds risky. But from a, from a storytelling perspective, it's absolute gold. Um, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll get into that. But, um, you know, at its core, it's, it's, it's an RPG. You play as four characters. <clears throat> Each character is basically kind of a character class. You've got Robin, who's, who's more of a stealth character. Um, and all the tree progressions that you get from leveling are sort of geared towards your ability to create more stealth abilities as you play. Batgirl, who, as you know, everybody who's a fan of the Batman mythos, used to be Oracle. And even from the Arkham games, you recognize Oracle as his tech guru, mm-hmm. um, the person that can hack into a system for him. The per- so all her character, all her, all her level stats sort of reflect that characteristic in her. She has all these abilities that that help her sneak into buildings and deactivate cameras and security equipment and things like that. So and then you've got Nightwing who is um he's sort of your jack of all trades, master of none character. The one thing he shines at is from a co-op perspective because he's that character that can buff up people um that are playing with you. Uh, and I'll get to the multiplayer in a second. Uh, and then uh, Red Hood um, is your tank character. He's your beefy, um, um, heavy attack type character. Um, he's more. He's a lot more slow, less agile than the other than the other three. Um, I've played with all of them in the course of the game. 
my primary go-tos have been Batgirl and Robin. And I and Chris, I don't think you'd be surprised by that. I'm more of a I, I, I enjoy the more stealthy approach and you know working my way around combat things like that. As soon as I saw this game, uh, you know the gameplay and everything else, I knew if I ever did play it, it would be probably Batgirl that I was going to play as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, and they're all they're they're all they've all got their their attributes. Um, so every character has um leveling based on those characteristics based on those character classes if you will but every one of them has also what is called um a knighthood skill tree mm. and that is sort of you don't you're not given that immediately you have to earn it um and everybody also has what is called momentum abilities and your momentum abilities are basically you know kind of special moves you can do when your gauge is filled up all the way, um, which can be really, really beneficial in combat. So in Ar- in the Arkham games, let me just differentiate it this way. The combat was sort of a free-flowing combat. You know, there were certain things that, certain upgrades that Batman would get throughout the course of the game, but there was never really anything that changed combat very significantly. No. Not really. It was dodge, counter, keep a keep a momentum going and you can just be bouncing all over the screen. Mm-hmm. And that combat was awesome and I can understand, you know, the comparisons people make. So you've got in this game you've got a you've got a basic attack which is the square button. I played it on PS5. Then you do a heavy attack which is holding down the square button. So you would think that a heavy attack would be maybe the triangle button. And like there would be two different buttons, but that's not the case here. Basically, your combat in the beginning is you rapidly repeating uh, sort of in a rhythmic way more so than than alternating buttons like a like you would in a bayonetta or another action game mm-hmm. heavy and and um and basic attacks now your triangle button is is where you do your ranged attacks like you sort of stun an enemy by throwing a battering at him or something like that or some sort of dart to sort of stun him go in for the kill and do that way. Momentum attacks is where the game gets incredibly interesting. Um, and they're different for every character. Um, with Batgirl, you can, there's a momentum attack where you get your gauge up to a certain point and you can just start wailing punches repeatedly on, um, on your enemies. It's particularly good when it comes to crowd control. If you have a larger, beefier character in the area that, and you're, tr- and you're taking down a room full of goons, you, you know, it's, I, I would often use that, um, that one to deal with the bigger, stronger characters first to get them out of my way. So I can just deal with the smaller guys. Those would be kind of like the equivalent Spider-Man. I can't remember what they're called, but you know, I'm talking about like where you'd build up the meter and then you'd have hit triangle. No together. And like, it would kind of be moves that would pretty much be instant kills. (laughs) Yeah. And that's an important uh, thing to say. This, this game is a hybrid Mm. um, between what, it's it's like a hybrid between an abandoned game as a service, mm-hmm. uh, Batman Arkham games, and Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. the combat system is more related to Spider-Man um, than the Arkham games, which are sort of a free-flowing combat system. Yeah. Obviously, Spider-Man is a better combat system, but this one, this one is almost as good. A lot of people would were calling this this one very repetitive, and the combat would get boring quickly. Never really got bored with combat. I, I respect that opinion. That's no problem. Um, 
I would make the case. I mean, Spider-Man's combat, if it had been a very long game, uh, I would say that could easily get repetitive too, unless you just felt like mixing in different devices that you have in your, your utility belt. So I could, I could see, you know, the, the pros and cons of that, right? Like where it, if it's a game where you're consistently fighting a ton of enemies, yeah, after a while you're going to be like, yep, do the same thing for this kind of guy. But that's, yeah. like I said, I think that's the same in Spider-Man too. I think it's the danger with these games. Yeah. So it's a it's an interesting game as, as um, it's divided into nights. Um, mm. So let's say, I, th- I guess it took me maybe 23, 20, I don't know, maybe at the end, 25 nights to complete the game. So basically what you do when you do a lot of this stuff to progress the story, you don't always have to do it this way, but a lot of times you have to do this, t- this type of stuff to progress the story. Um, oh, the nights, is that like a set thing, like a chapter, or is it like a clock going like, oh, the sun no. is coming up and, you know, mm-hmm. No, okay. No. Because a night is technically twelve hours. The the way the developers ration, thought about it was like, well, you're not going to spend twelve hours out here any given night. So yeah, yeah. The, the, it just it just works. Gotcha. Um, so you can sw- you can you can change characters anytime you want. Um, all of this stuff. Their headquarters is the Belfry, which is I think is I think appears in the comics. Yeah, isn't that on, where on Oracle? Yeah, 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 it's this big. It's this big clock tower where Oracle uh, has has her home base. But that's where that's where the new base is. Um, and 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 uh, what you have to do if you want to switch characters, you have to go back to the Belfry to do it. Um, you can't just do it on the on the fly. Um, logically, it works. It's hard to explain why it works. You have you'd have to play the game to understand why it works. Um, so basically, what you do is you 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 go around the city. Um, and there's these, there's these, um, enemy type scenarios where you are foiling a bank robbery or you're rescuing a police officer or you're, or, or these goons are trying to break through a door to get to a witness and and you're trying to keep them from getting to a witness or you're trying to go into an area where you're trying to stop them from downloading sensitive data. There's a, there's a multiple, there's multiple types of of tiny little submissions that you go in. Um, and there's like six or seven different types. Kind of like Spider-Man when you'd have the crimes in the local neighborhood. Exactly. Exactly. And people were very critical of this aspect of that game, but I'm like, but that's what Spider-Man did. (laughs) Um, so, but maybe it didn't do it as well. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've played it. Isn't it? I thought like from, and again, this is just me reading. Um, is it maybe because of the fact that, with Spider-Man, it's like, I think the most you had to do in an area was like maybe four or five of these. And then like you were done. Like, it, I think eventually they maybe put that's a patch. Maybe that's true. Maybe they that's put, true, yeah. Yeah, they put the patch mm-hmm. in layer where you could keep doing it just so if you wanted to live in this city and keep mm-hmm. <laughs> doing it, you could. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. But you really love Spider-Man. Um, but uh, yeah, sure. then like that's here. A good, that's a good point. Yeah, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because it's got that, as you say, the Avengers, that grinding thing of trying to yeah. get your level up, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. the thing about these, what makes it interesting is what they're, they're what they're called is they're premeditated crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you do, and if you just if you just go in and if you just go back to the belfry, 
without doing any of these things and then go back out. If you look out on the map, there's really nothing there. Sure. Um, So what you, there's these little arrows, these tinier little arrows on the map that Hmm. you go to where it's like a small group of goons that that are doing, that are creating some nuisance and you got to go take them down. Um, And if you, if you're like sitting perched on a, on a, on a building and you scan the enemies, you scan them and you'll see like one of them might have a question mark on them. And you know that you can swoop down, save that guy for last. Don't take him down, but grab him and interrogate him. And what that does is that introduces you to a premeditated crime that you know is about to go down. Hmm. Okay. So let's say you go out into the city. Let's say you're going out to the city for the first night. There's nothing out there except for those little triangles. You go to those triangles. You you can interrogate up to 12 people in the city to get up to 12 premeditated crimes. So you get all that information and you have this little number on the side of the map that shows you how many people have given you details on premeditated crimes. If you go back to the Belfry and then go back out, you see all those crimes pop up on the map. You know, it's like it's premeditated crimes that are now the next night going down, but you know, they're happening. You know, that's funny because it almost sounds like in, they own them, so it, it would make sense that they could do this. I almost wonder if they got that from Monolith. Cause that sounds exactly like Shadow of Mordor. You know, not the not the total like, you know, uh, you know, arch enemy thing, whatever it's called. I can't remember what they called that, but like that's the thing you would do in it, right? Like you would go and you would take an orc and you would possess him and basically put fear into him to give up enemy like information on your enemies that are throughout the world where they are located in a way so kind of like i almost wonder if they yeah. took like if they worked and said like hey could we have something you know i haven't played i've only played shadow of uh mm-hmm. mordor shadow of mordor mm-hmm. and i forgot all about that i yeah. forgot all about that part you're right mm-hmm. you're right about that part that's interesting just keep saying so yeah right. the um and, and so but but what you do to keep the uh to keep the uh, to keep the crimes happening, if you will, not that you want the crimes to happen, but <laughs> you have to keep interrogating people mm-hmm. so that the next night you show you up more. on the map, you know, and, and there's and there's more stuff to do. Gotcha. Um, and doing certain things, and 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 the menus are this is this is a big criticism of mine for for this game. The menus can be very comp- convoluted. Mm-hmm. If you want to unlock a costume or a suit or a skin or a, or or a transmog, it doesn't exactly tell you how to do it. A lot of games now, maybe maybe you could say it's handholdy, but a lot of games now have detailed next to the suit yeah. detailing what you got to do to get it. Yeah, that's what Spider-Man did. Right. There's yeah. hints though. There's hints though because of the way the suit looks, there's hints that you have to take down a certain type of enemy. Gotcha. Sometimes it's a little bit more, it's, it's no, the, the systems don't tell you exactly how to get a suit. And there's a lot of suits. I think each character has 14 different suits. That's a lot. And, <laughs> and, and they're all awesome suits and they're not just skins. They, they have, they have different, uh, they have different protections against certain types of elements, you know, cold incendiary that, you know, the whole, RPG, yeah. it's, it's the Is whole it, RPG thing. Do they, um, do they have, I wonder what the suits, is it kind of like Spider-Man where you can go and like, look at them and see like, oh yeah, this suit originally appeared in X issue. Yeah. There, a lot of them are like, uh, there's, there's the Batman beyond style yeah. suit. Okay. 
Um, cool. There's a suit inspired by Gotham by Gath- Gaslight. Awesome. You know that kind of yeah. I mean, it, there's um. I mean, it's no secret they've been they 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 put this stuff on Twitter. There's suits based on the Court of Owls. Mm. You know that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. I mean, so but but the menu systems they sort of and the menu systems you have to go into each okay so you'll come across Lucius Fox in the game mm-hmm. and so Lucius Fox gives you things you need to do and you know in order to in order to progress a story you have to do things for Lucius Fox as take down four of these enemies um it's some some would probably find it to be tedious work but it keeps you busy and and it never got it never got old for me it's just, it's just trying to learn how to get what you want done. So you have to go, it, the menu system is um, divided up not very well. It, it's, it's, it kind of gives you your contacts, people you need to touch base with um, that can help you progress the story uh, or, or doing these three things, taking down big freaker enemies can get you this, can, can get you this outfit doesn't necessarily tell you you can get the outfit, but it says it gives you certain types of prizes. All these, all these outfits are craftable. Mm -hmm. Um, All these outfits are also upgradable and the upgrading is, is, is pretty awesome in my opinion. I mean, you can, you can get up to a very powerful, by the time I was done with the game, there was really not an enemy out there that was giving me any issue, even though they were, even though they were at my level Um, because you were the, the mods, the mods are extremely generous depending on if you have legendary gear. And if you have legendary gear, the legendary gear actually gets better as you use it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Um, because hmm. you're, you know, you're kind of a superhero. You need to feel like you're a superhero in that, in that respect. Again, you're about to say something? Everything you keep saying, I'm just like, yeah, this definitely sounds like at one point this was a games of service game. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's, that's I, the thing. The loot, the, it's a loot system game. Yeah. It, I mean, there's it a lot of sounds. There's like a lot it. of loots. There's a lot of loot that gives you different types of ingredients, different types of materials that um al- and allow you to craft what you want. You can do. You can fuse. This is this is where it gets really ba. You can fuse mods up to four mods and stick them in. If you have a legendary outfit, you have three sockets, so mm-hmm. you can fuse four mods stick them in a socket and do that three times for a socket so by the time by the you get a lead you get legendary gear your power level is just beefing i mean it's just and 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 it's and it's enjoyable particularly when i figured out how to get it all to work so i mean i mean i say all that to say this the game's not incredibly intuitive and you know the way the way all this all the 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 things the things you that you have to do are all there in the menu systems. You just have to kind of go looking for it. And it's not very, it's not very well designed that way because you have to go into this area that has a a section for your contacts, um, a section for how to get more momentum abilities. Do, do these defeat a number of these types of enemies to unlock another momentum ability. Like um, Batgirl has another momentum ability where she unlocks drones that can fight above her as she fights to help, you know, get down everybody's every enemy's meter. But you can also upgrade that momentum ability, like a screen, an invisible screen, like pops up in front of her. She activates it, and a, a, a huge explosion happens all over her. 
Mm. Um, that's where the momentum abilities and the knighthood abilities are what make what appear to be basic combat get hashed out. You just have to, like an RPG, you just have to be patient enough to get those get those combat abilities up to where you want them to be. Do you think that might be one of the big reasons why this game is having so much trouble in the sense of like, because I could see this thing, like you're saying it takes time, and I don't think you're denying that. Mm-hmm. Like if you go in there and you're going to put a good amount of time, say you start out as Red Hood, and then you discover, I really don't like playing as Red Hood. That's not my play style. Well, now I have to, you know, go back and invest just about the same amount of time to get, you know, Barbara up to that level, right? And I think, like, one of the things I remember reading was, like, you don't get the glide ability right away with any of these characters. You have to work towards that for with each one, right? You do, you kind of, like, have a zipping ability. And I know reading from and just listening to people, that seems to be a turnoff. So, like, do you think maybe that's what it is? Like, the fact that there's not some sort of shared progression between where then like afterwards you can be like oh okay because i've done this much of the game i can take this and when i start this new character go ahead and unlock x y and z and then focus from there where i want to build them so the only things the only things that don't progress with every character are the knighthood abilities yeah yeah so if you if you unlock knighthood for batgirl you don't unlock it for anybody else but Mm. like in syndicate like in assassin's creed syndicate if you if you level up and you get experience points, those experience points apply to all the characters. Okay. If you have 12 experience points, Robin has 12 experience points. But, you might not be using them. So when you finally go in and use him for the first time, mm-hmm. you could find you have 40 experience points to play with because you've already leveled up Batgirl. So the experience points are shared that you just you just have to... What you have to do with knighthood abilities is you have to... It's like going into the menu and finding out what you have to do. You have to complete this task and this task and every task for every character is different. You have to take yeah. off, take, you have to take down a number of these goons. You have to do this our, or this the to unlock your knighthood abilities. And it, knighthood it doesn't stuff. take long. You just, it takes, you can do it in one night. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't take long. It's not a grind to get that done. Okay. Um, but, but it works from a narrative perspective, which I'll jump into now. It works from the narrative perspective when you're in Arkham, when in, in Batman, Arkham Asylum, Batman was Batman and he'd been Batman for a long time. Sure. This is trying to this is trying to kind of show you with the gameplay and with the story that these are still young bucks who are trying to find their way in a world wh- where Batman no longer exists. Well, I'd also hope that it shows just like they're not Batman. Like Batman should feel inherently different than playing these people because Batman exactly. is, you know, t- uh, often billed as the smartest human in in the DC well, universe. In, right. in, in the Arkham games, Batman is stealthy. He's techie. He's a brute. He's yeah. all the things that all four of these characters are individually. Well, sure. collectively. Mm-hmm. Four of these make one Batman. That's not a detriment <laughs> to them. No, that's accurate. But, <laughs> but it makes the game it makes the gameplay very interesting. So I wouldn't, I mean, you're gonna know pretty much right off the bat. I played Red ah, Hood. Ah, ah. That's funny. I played Red Hood maybe two nights. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with him, um, but I just wasn't gelling with him. I played I played uh, Nightwing in a couple of story missions and a couple of nights of patrol. I like him fine. 
but Robin and Batgirl are, are where I really just found my 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 rhythm. But the story in this game is really a, something that shines big, in my opinion. Um, not only with just the fact that Batman is no longer there, and that's reflective in in the way the city looks. I mean, when you can imagine what happens when everybody finds out that Batman's gone, it's like, yeah, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like uh, it's a, might be a bad analogy, but in Justice League, Steppenwolf, once Superman was gone, that's when everybody, you know, it's kind of like that that thing. Yeah. So, you know, it, the the game Gotham City is is about as beautiful. Arkham Knight was had a very beautiful Gotham City, in my opinion. This one takes the cake. This one's this Gotham city is really mind blowingly beautiful. There's not a lot of people in the world. You see cars going by, you see people on the street, they'll comment about what's going on. Um, in the beginning of the game, you can tell that the crowd really, and the police really don't think much of you, but it seemed that the system started to progress where everybody was sort of receiving you a little better as you did more things. But the fact that it's not a very crowded city speaks very well to the narrative ain't nobody going out in that mess because Batman's gone. He ain't protecting us anymore. Well, and the, the criminals are running rampant across the street. And not only, not only is Batman gone, but um, uh, Gordon's dead as well. Gordon, I think Gordon passed away. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's going on. If you remember, like with all the Arkham games, they've never really had much of a population within their city. I mean, obviously with Arkham Knight, they kind of had an out because it was supposed to be this enclosed. They evacuated the city. Yeah, like it was basically a place for in the Arkham, prisoners. In, in Arkham Origins, it was it's kind of a Christmas story. Yeah, and <laughs> it was like the 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 one of the most devastating blizzards mm -hmm. in in recent memory was going down in Gotham City. So that's how they justified keeping the streets a relatively empty. It, Gotham City and uh, Arkham City, they were in literally Arkham City. So it, you could see Gotham City out there. Yeah, you weren't really in Gotham City. You yeah, were in you know sort of I, a section of it. Well, I think like. In here, I almost wonder, like, it's nice that they added some in finally, right? Like, where there are people actually in there. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder, again, you know, one of the other big things of this game is we're talking about, like, at one point this was planned to be on the last-gen systems. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. if the number of people you see on the streets was kind of yeah. – is limited because of that. And then, like, once they decide to finally drop it, they go, like, eh, we don't have enough time to go back and add more people in. Let's just yeah. go with what we got. To that point, to that point, I'll get to that. Don't worry, Crimson. I'm getting to that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The, so so as far as, as far as the city goes, beautiful city, beautiful – the bat cycle is awesome. It's fast. Um, it's sort of a compromise because you don't immediately get fast traveled from the jump, but that bike gets you places quick. Plus it's fun. It's like, it's almost, it's almost, almost as good as swinging through as Spider-Man just mm -hmm. on that. It's easier. To, it's easy to control. It's, it's just cool to have when you're ready for it. It's like, it's almost like Epona just shows up out of nowhere. It just sort of materializes. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody, so from the storyline, you sort of, one of the things about this, it came into my head last night, most important character in Batman, the one who really was responsible for keeping Gotham safe was Alfred. It definitely was Alfred. Fair. Alfred is like the soul of Gotham City. Um, and he's, and he's a big part of this story. And one of the things from a story, this is a very it's so rare to do this in a game. It's a very character driven story. 
And it's just, it's right there. Had they not taken advantage of it, I would have been shocked because it's just right there staring at you in the face. How do these individuals on, 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 in their own layer deal with, with a world without Batman? Because every three of these characters are currently Robin or once were Robin. And then Batgirl not only is dealing with the loss of Batman, but he's de- she's dealing with the loss of her father. Um, yeah. And Alfred is a big catalyst that sort of, in their own in his own way, brings them to a point of you are here for a reason. You have an importance in all of this. Batman or Bruce, I love the fact that I always called him Bruce. Bruce would be proud of you for this reason. You are here because Bruce saw this in you. And he sort of brings all these characters who are very vulnerable in these cutscenes in the beginning from a story perspective, brings them to a pinnacle of we are a team. And by the end of the game, realize that they offered something to Gotham that was better than Bruce ever could, at least how, how the story progresses. So the story in that sense is beautiful, the way it, the way it really cares about its characters and develops all their characters. I mean, there's not a single character in the game that's, that's left behind as far as the main characters go. Mm -hmm. Jason Todd in many ways is, is one of the more interesting ones because I don't, I'm not familiar. I mean, everybody knows that, that he was the one that died at the hands of the Joker. More like Um, died at the hands of the readers. (laughs) Exactly. And I I won't spoil it because I don't, it's been a while since I've been reading comics. Um, I won't spoil how he comes back or it, it, he doesn't come back in the game. He's already, it's, it's something that's already happened. Sure. But him having to come to terms with the fact that he cheated death or something like that, you know, uh, Tim Drake being the youngest Robin worrying about him being the youngest in the group and how that plays in, you know, Barbara, you know, forgetting what his, what her dad looked like and would would he be proud of the things he's, she's doing it. Did he know that she was Batgirl? And, you know, if he did, he never said that kind of thing. Um, and then sort of the, the leader, the, the de facto leader Nightwing sort of dealing with all this stuff, like how do they exist without that shadow over them, which is very, you know, <laughs> uh, reminiscent of the shadow of Arkham of, of <laughs> the, of the Arkham games over this game. Um, so the story uh, and 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 the way it progresses, I think the Court of Owls is probably in the beginning very impressive. The way they bring it out, it's a very intimidating, ominous sort of entity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sort of, I will say, in this particular game, as the game progresses, it sort of does it a disservice because, as you know, Chris, the Court of Owls is a very secretive group. But what this game does to it, um, it keeps it secret, but at the same time, it it eventually has court of owl goons out in the city and that's just not how the court of owls would be you'd fight these enemies that have owl masks on i'm like well that's not very you know court of owls would get the freaks to work for them exactly you know that so they did sort of from a gameplay perspective do a disservice to them um and there's and, and there's you know the typical surprise ending which i won't spoil but everybody knew that the court of owls was involved they're heavily involved in the story the way they discover the existence of the court of owls the way they handle the court of owls areas, their set pieces. It's just a very cool thing to see finally in a video game. Um, I remember when they first released that they were doing court of owls, we still didn't know that it was a sidekick game. We thought sure. it was still a Batman game. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And it's pretty cool to see the court of owls on screen. You, you have access to enemies 
um, the, the, the chief enemies in there. You'll, you'll have, uh, penguins there. Um, you'll have different, it's almost, they're side missions, but they're very main story side missions. Um, which I think is very, I think the Arkham games did this to a certain degree as well. In the, um, um, Clayface in this one? Clayface, Mr. Freeze, and Harley Quinn are the three primary side missions. And it's not, I mean, they're, they're, they're almost games in and of themselves. So there's, there's like the main story mission, but it gives you a nice beefy, um, content with, with three other villains you have to take down and, and their stories progress the same way that the main story progresses. Um, we do so, love, yeah. uh, beefy content here. Love beefy content. Yeah. Um, and then finally, let's talk about the, um, the graphics or at least how the game <laughs> runs. I think, I think the game is, is beautiful in almost every respect. Mm. Um, so the games, as we all knew prior to this, quite shortly prior to the release of the game, which was interesting, um, was going to be 30 frames on consoles and good luck with the PCs. Yeah. Um, if you can get 60 frames, I just want to point out to people out there, you could have a 4090 right now and a, uh, and a Intel card. That's the top tier of either the 12 or 13 series. And you are going to struggle to get 4k 60 frames per second on that PC, which is just ridiculous to think about. The optimization in this, in this, uh, in this game is, is going to be a big turnoff for a yeah. lot of people because there's a lot of people out there who are are kind of rigid, and that's not a criticism; it's just a description. Pretty rigid about their 60 frames, particularly particularly in the next generation of consoles, and I understand that. It's but hard. 60 frames, but 60 frames has never been really a game breaker for me mm-hmm. as far as playing it. I'm criticizing the game for it not being. Or at least, you know, it, if they can't do 60 frames, and, and to be perfectly fair, um, and it's a double-A studio, but uh, A Plague Tale wasn't 60 frames. Not on console, no. Not, at, least, at least not on console. And yeah. a lot of that you can explain that it was double-A and you had all these rats on Correct. screen. There was a lot of stuff going on. So, yeah, you can you can understand that. But the fact that this thing is 30 frames... With no, I mean, if you couldn't get certain, if you couldn't get sixty frames on most games, they at least, they at least gave you a performance mode, and and then, yeah. um, what's the graphical mode? I, I'm 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 losing what yeah, it's called. Uh, quality mode. Quality mode, that kind of thing. So, but but the game is beautiful. It 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 can stutter at times. It never did anything that bothered me personally for thirty at thirty frames. Not really. Um, there was a couple of glitches that happened here and there where I couldn't finish a little mission because something just wasn't clicking. Um, there's uh, the but the game is beautiful. It's ray there's ray tracing on PS5. I just wish can that, you turn the ray tracing off? No, there's no ability to manipulate anything. I mean, if you if you could get rid of the ray tracing, I'm wondering if you could get it up to 60 frames. I mean, because, yeah, you if you remember when Spider-Man first came out on PS5, uh, it was originally you could either have the performance mode, which was no ray tracing, 60 frames per second, or ray tracing 30 frames. And then later on, they were able to make a dynamic 
range that allowed them to have 60 frames with ray tracing right yeah um, and you're just like you couldn't you're telling me if you turn off ray tracing you can't get 60 frames yeah it's or interesting. yeah or yeah. like you know and i get it like you might not be able to do it at 4k but not 1080p not at <laughs> not 1440p uh, you know that's the part and, and like when i hear their excuse that's the part one, I don't understand why they made that design that design decision personally. And two, I go, it still just doesn't make sense. Like to mm -hmm. me, this sounds like you have a CPU limitation, whatever your system is. And that's what's killing them is that because it's the CPU side and not necessarily the GPU side, they don't have the resource that they need to get these marks. That's that's what it seems like. Which is why mm -hmm. on PC it's a big problem because if you have a mid-tier CPU, you are not going to get 60 frames with this game. You know, yeah. and, and that yeah, seems that's to like, be that's, why. That's what I keep hearing. I mean, hmm. even if you're getting just 30 frames, it's probably safer to play this game on a console mm -hmm. um, as far as how it performs. Yeah. It never, it, the game never broke for me. It's not, it, it's not, the 30 frames aren't bad. There's stutter occasionally, mm -hmm. but it didn't happen frequent enough where it limited my enjoyment of the game. True. But I still have to knock it for not being able to, give um players options that the generation this generation promised it would do sure um this is just one of those rare games where it just didn't you know with little to no explanation and so uh, that leads me to the co-op at, at least for the time being i don't even know if it's going to change it's two-player co-op you Again, can't have all four, you can't have all four heroes out there which i yeah. think is ridiculous because isn't that what you would want like i would think you'd want you said like jason todd's the tank Mm -hmm. So I'd be putting him on the big heavies while, you know, Batgirl swings down from the shadows to do, you know, little attacks. And then maybe uh, Robin is just dancing around being all agile and, you know, uh, your your standard main regular guy, uh, Nightwing, is just yeah. kind of in the middle there. And the cool thing about co-op, I mean, when you're playing with somebody, you can, your character can be across the map handling that crime. You know, you don't always have to be, you don't have to be together doing everything. You can just be in the same world for the night. I had it, um, I had it open, the, uh, the, the, the multiplayer open. Um, and if it, if it, I don't know if this is good or bad, but the entire weekend I was playing it, only two people tried to pop into my game. Hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I have no idea. That's probably um, not a great sign. Cause I, I remember I, when I, I played, I, um, what was that? That Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game we played earlier this summer? I left mm -hmm. that open and every five seconds my group was full. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people, yeah. And one of them had a had an accent, which is fine. Couldn't place the accent, but he was like, and you know me, as soon as I hear somebody, I'm like, I'm out. I ran like a coward. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of you for just even having open party multiplayer, John. I was I was I was curious how it would how it would operate. Yeah. Okay. Like with the multiplayer. Come here. Come here. Oh, John had to let purchase out. Um. Again with the multiplayer, like you have to wonder. Like so, the the big thing they announced before the game came out is that this is apparently 
untethered multiplayer, which makes no freaking sense to me because I'm like, there's no reason I would ever play this game with John where he'd be in the south side of Gotham and I'm on the north side doing my own thing. If I'm going to play with John, I'm going to be with John and we're going to fight together and we're going to go do things together, right? Like that would be the point. And I'm like, is this why you couldn't do four player multiplayer? Is that you decided? That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I, I don't know that that in and of itself is a good enough excuse. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. All, all I can do, and I'm not a techie guy, you know this. I sure. hope it's something that they can fix at some point that they can say, here's, you know, by the time the holiday hits, now here's your performance mode. 60, I, I don't really care about co-op that much. Well, see, and if, some, if somebody, I think somebody, I think it was Draven last week offered to play co-op. So I, and I'm down with that if he wants see, to. Um, but I just want it to perform better. See, I want it, I want this game in 60 frames. That's, and then um that's like my underlying fear now, right? With the way this has all gone down is that from everything I'm gathering is like this game was a decision from the brass going probably about a year ago said get rid of the old consoles and this needs to be out before the end of 2022. No matter what, it's coming out. We spent X number of years and money on it. We're not doing this as a game and service anymore. And it's like, you wonder because, you know, it's not like a cyberpunk. It's not like where that studio has every incentive to go and make that the best version game they can, right? Because they want you to get the DLC and be more invested in the world and to set up their future projects so you'll come back to it, right? With this, mm -hmm. it feels more like, you worry that WB is just going to be like, no, we're not spending more time patching this game and doing anything. It's out. It's done. We're moving on to whatever's next, whether it's shuttering that studio, making them a support studio for Rocksteady. I don't know, you know, or saying make a new Batman game or some other type of game in general. Um, and that's my fear, right? Like as one, this studio is just going to get lost into this game as support. Cause it just feels like from its setup, it's like, just dump what we had and, and we'll see y'all later. You know, that's, that's my only fear of this. Cause I don't think it's going to be like insomnia coming back. We figured out ray tracing 60 frames per second. I don't think you're going to get that. Yeah. We'll see if, we'll see if it's something they, they fix or improve. Um, yeah. And then I guess, uh, let me see. What was, was there something else? Uh, I have a question here. You haven't brought up. Yeah. Uh, how's the fast travel, John? Because <laughs> I heard it was a very interesting way you unlock the fast travel in this. Yeah. Once the fast travels, fast travels great. Um, I like the fast travel. There's a there's a fast travel point, at least one in every section of the city. Sometimes two, depending on its size. But the cool thing about it is, it it um it's like you have your fast travel spot you go to that spot and it drops you from the air so that you can either as long as you mark the location before you fast travel it drops you out of the air and you can either glide down there half the time you can just glide down there cuz you're so high up or if you're or, or if it's a little bit further away you can hop on your cycle and get there quick so the traversal in this game is very good even when you don't unlock the fast travel in the beginning, the traversal's good because of how fast and fun that bat cycle is to ride around. It's I never had I never felt like going places was a chore. The only thing I would say 
it's kind of last gen because the fast travel is tethered behind a little cutscene, mm-hmm. um, where it shows the the back glider, you know, zooming down to the top of a building and dropping you. So it goes through the same cutscene every time when you fast travel. Gotcha. But you know, that's. I mean, if you, you know, it, as opposed to spending an extra minute or two getting there, fine, that's fine. Uh, but it's one of those things where I look at it and I go, that's kind of, that's kind of last gen. You don't often see, no. you know, fast travel look like that anymore. No, you don't. So, so there's a lot of things that are, that are legit criticisms of this game, but there's a lot of criticism out there that I think is based on a misunderstanding of what this game is. That could be over the point of, Maybe the developer what didn't really communicate to us what this game was. Maybe that's the case. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I'll close. I'll close with this. Um, before my Richard. Oh. Um, there are games out there. Somebody gave, somebody sent us an email recently, at least in the past three months, that was like, "What is a game that is current that is considered bad but is still your guilty pleasure?" Mm-hmm. You remember that email? Yeah, I do. And I don't remember what my answer was if I even had one. It's been a it's been a while. <laughs> this game is. It's your guilty it's a, pleasure. It, it, it's a dichotomy here. I have and I, and I and I and I I urge the patience of the audience. I hope they understand where I'm coming from. This is the most fun I've had playing a video game this year. Mm. The absolute most fun. At the same time, this game's a seven point five. Oh, in my view. Okay. It's it's good got a lot of problems yeah um but i really liked what they did here i really liked the ideas not all of them came together but i recognized at least most of them were good Mm -hmm. ideas progressing your character building up your character building up all of them is fun to do experiencing the world is fun to do so the experience of playing the game aside from a a few quirks I had a freaking blast. It's not just it. Ju- it's not just that my my beloved wife was out of town. Your wife. I there, there's so many instances where I could have just gotten bored with this and just started watching movies and TV shows, like I often get distracted doing. I couldn't wait to pick this the controller up again, and it also sounds great in the um, in the PS5 headset. By the way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when I was like I said, when I was watching reviews. Uh, and stuff and like discussions on this game, a lot of people were admitting to the fact they're like, look, you know, I'm knocking it for these issues. Right. Cause it, it, their, their thing is like, I'm doing a critical review. I'm not going to forgive it for mm-hmm. those things. Right. But they were like, on the other hand, it's like, they all seem to say, I could see there being a, a lane for people to like this game. You know, if you're someone who loves Batman and you loved the Gotham or the Arkham games and you know, just, that world and you love the lore right like there's a lot of things for you to enjoy here it's just kind of like and that was honestly the way it was with avengers like when i played avengers the actual cutscenes and stuff like that the story and stuff the combat i didn't have any problems with it it was all the other stuff that got in yeah, the way of it this game and you've heard me say this I, mm. I think you've heard me say this a couple of times if all you're playing is nines you're letting some of the best games sure. pass you by. Sure. This game is what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. And it's not for everybody. A lot of, I fully admit, I mean, you could tell the Metacritic, 
I think the Metacritic score is probably a reflection of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so th- you know, it's on Steam. If you uh, on Steam, the, the all reviews has a, has it categorized as mostly positive, and that's where I'm at. Okay, I have a, I have mostly positive things to say about it. Yeah, with some with some glaring problems. It's one I'm hoping maybe. Like I said, I don't know how much of an optimization it's going to get, but if it does eventually get optimized on PC, um, it's one that I'm hoping, you know, either on a Steam sale or, or you know, the Arkham Knight came to Game Pass, so I don't see why this one couldn't. I just um, hope it does well. I, yeah. I, I, because I liken, I like it enough to want more out of what this world is. The fact that Batman wasn't there, he was very much a presence in the game, but the fact that I couldn't play as him mm-hmm. never once did I say, man, I wish I could play as Batman. Mm. So Josh wants to know how many times did you rewind the Batman stripping scene? <laughs> I'm not sure what he means. Yeah. Right. I don't know either. Um, I don't know. I'm just more alarmed that you say you had more fun with this game than you did with Kirby. I think that's just offensive to Nintendo and you need to write Doug Bowser a letter apologizing for the, your transgressions my transgressions yes but with that done good review john thank you sir we we, we went like about an hour on that because oh, we did we we did but it was fine because we really you know just phoned it in on the intro but uh that said we probably should get to some news so uh let's do it hot off the press and straight to your ears Weekly Games Chat presents the news. News! News. I'm first up this week, John. Call of Duty. It's the most popular topic, not just because of sales and apparently that people love the new campaign, right? Have you seen those graphics, John? No. You should go look at, like, just go Google Call of Duty Amsterdam and look at some of those. Because it's clear they went and probably, like, captured 8K footage of the city and just put it in the game. <laughs> it is very, very freakish how nice it looks. Um, but Call of Duty uh, news here. Xbox's Phil Spencer has said that should the Microsoft acquisition go through, the company will continue to ship Call of Duty on PlayStation as long as the PlayStation exists. Quote, we're not taking Call of Duty from the PlayStation. That's not our intent. Our intent is not to do that. And as long as there's a PlayStation out there to ship to, our intent is that we'll continue to ship Call of Duty on PlayStation. Similar to what we've done with Minecraft since we own that. There's a possibility, lot to possibly unpack here given the acquisition concerns and Phil's comments in the past. I mean, I feel like they've said this a number of times because I remember there was questions right afterwards and then he came out and said Call of Duty will continue to be in PlayStation, right? For, and for the foreseeable, foreseeable future. Yeah, I guess because he said foreseeable future. And and one of the things you like to say, Chris, you like to invoke the PR speak. Mm-hmm. There's very interesting keywords that give him technically. I'm not saying he's yeah. not being truthful here, but that gives him outs. He uses words like intent. He uses words like you know foreseeable future, things like that. But I but I bet you mm-hmm. somebody 
somebody at Microsoft said to Phil, you know what would help maybe speed this acquisition along? Mm-hmm. Just let's say. just put the Call of Duty issue to bed. I don't think. Let's just, let's just get this done. And and they're, they're pro- Phil's probably going, but who's to say that Call of Duty has anything bearing with this deal? Just sure. because it's in everybody's mind. Just 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 put it out there that 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 PS5 or PlayStation's continuing to get Call of Duty forever and a day. Correct. And let's get this done. It's like just, it's not worth it. It's not thing- worth it. The thing I figure is, as long as it's the traditional Call of Duty releases, mm-hmm. there's no way they were ever going to take that off, right? Like doing it. I don't agree. I no, don't agree I, I don't think they could afford to do it because it's just it's too much money. It's like that, mm-hmm. you know, like that is a guaranteed. If you're going to do Call of Duty annually, and you realize that the overwhelming player percentage of that game is on PlayStation, it's like you know, 20 million of their units are on PlayStation that is too much money to walk away from if you're them, right? Kind of like, you know, back in the day, if they had said Minecraft is going to come off there, and Minecraft obviously is not nearly as big, you know, I think of a disparity with with that, but would still, it would be a considerable percentage. And I think the only thing I ever figured that could change it, like that I could see where maybe there would be some restructuring, would have been kind of what I thought might eventually happen, which is that Call of Duty multiplayer becomes a, you know, free game to play, right? Just a games of service. And that is everywhere. And then I could see them saying, but we're going to have teams that do Call of Duty campaign stories, right? Maybe something even longer and make that something that's exclusive to PC and Xbox and Game Pass, right? That's where I could have seen it. Because that's not really what sells Call of Duty, if we're just being honest. It's not generally the campaign. It's the online. The online is the money maker. Yeah. That's where you mm-hmm. need it everywhere for forever. But yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously though, they said this because they're just trying to kind of do everything they can to just be like, you literally have no excuse anymore, right? Like, you know, the CEO of the company is saying this is going to be here can we just act like this is not going to, you know, be the case, right? Like it's smart on their part. I I just disagree with you slightly. I I think that, I think when somebody came to Phil Spencer and said, what would you think about buying Activision Blizzard? Mm -hmm. The first thing that popped into his head was having Call of Duty exclusive on the console. And I think if there's a way, Mm -hmm. because the difference between buy-in of PS4 having the most, sold copies of call of duty is only a generation away 360 had the most copies sold of call of duty for sure call of duty call of uh, xbox 360 i used to call it the i used to call it the uh call of duty friendship box you know what i mean it was (laughs) the first person shooter machine that's what so there's so nobody is promised tomorrow when it comes to who performs better um i don't know I, i think it's one of their put that over in the corner here if we can make if we can make this feasible, don't tell me that Xbox would not love to have this yeah. as a get for them. I'm not saying it's possible, but they've I think they've really written it over in the corner, going, let's keep this in the back of our my, our minds and see what happens. Yeah, I, I guess I've just I've always had a problem with it because it's like the argument PlayStation's making it right, mm-hmm. like where it's like, well, this one game's going to kill us, and it's like, no, it's not. 
you, you know it's not. No, everyone knows it's not. Like, you know, if if I, and I said this, I think you weren't here that week, right? So I don't know if you caught it. I said if this didn't fall through, and all of a sudden Phil Spencer went back and got exclusivity deals with Fortnite, Apex Legends, uh, you know, just every free to play money making game that they make, you know, some bucks off, right? That would be more harmful to them. Well, hell, <laughs> hell Chris, the way Bungie's set up, where they could they could be like. Sony, you own us, but we have the right to just put our games exclusively. <laughs> right. <laughs> like if they came back and just said, you know what, EA, let's make FIFA exclusive to Xbox. Here's, here's, you know, $10 billion for a 10 year contract on that. I'm sure they would be really happy about that being the case. You know, I just don't, I don't think one game is going to ever run it. And the truth of the matter is, is that Call of Duty, even now, you know, outside of Warzone, I don't think it is what it was even 10 years ago, right? Like, you know, they don't, sells much and you go at some point that's probably going to taper off you don't know to what level but like but, but you know it's also important to know that every every almost every call of duty game if not every call of duty game sells better than any of the playstation this is true games. yeah that is true so uh but you know the good thing for them is playstation they got a lot of them first parties well speaking of first parties chris <laughs> yeah, see? Uh, phil spencer he's going to be in the news this week i'm gonna mm. let you know He's also admitted that um, that it has been far too long since a major first-party exclusive game landed on the Xbox Series X and S. According to Spencer, quote, one thing we've definitely heard loud and clear is that it's been too long since we've shipped what people would say is a, first, is a big first-party game. We could have our excuses on COVID and other things, but in the end, I know people invest in our platform and they want to have great games. We're excited about 2023. We've talked about games that are coming and those games are tracking well. Getting our first real Xbox first party games out of Bethesda, having them ship Redfall and Starfield will be a lot of fun. And I've said this, I'll defend Phil a little bit here, sure. but I have said in the past that the only, the only, the only studios that he doesn't tend to have problems with getting games out is his Bethesda studios, because that in and of itself is a singly singularly managed publisher that is still a publisher company yeah. i guess that and um dudes that the do way horizon that, the way horizon that, seems yeah, to be their most dependable that's not bethesda true true was it um, but it's hard for me to, you know when i read this story chris i'll be honest with you it's something i've never even noticed and i and i think the catalyst to that is let's let's take for example a plague tale mm -hmm. exclusively well not exclusively but it's game pass free to play on xbox and in my head that's an exclusive yeah. almost it's like well yeah why would i play it anywhere else i didn't even think about why would i go buy it on playstation 5 and i was actually surprised because in my mind i thought that this that this studio was some for some reason owned by them and i think it's because every time the xbox got on stage they talked about this game yeah, PlayStation never really talked about this game, but I think that I think that in in defense of Phil and what he's done with Game Pass, Game Pass has shielded. It's like you, if it's on all platforms, but it's free on Game Pass. In my mind, it's an exclusive game. It's like, and sometimes, and you've been there too this year, where you where you get Game Pass, and you realize that uh, this was free to play on on Game yeah, Pass. Yeah, get a game and for the game. yeah. Yeah, you know, I had a so couple. I, I think I, I think it's I think it's true. It's been it's been a while since a first a party game. But um, well, 
I think I think Game Pass does a lot to sort of pat uh, cushion that a little bit, correct, and make that and and make that seem a little bit less of a like on PlayStation Five. That would have been what the heck is going on? Yeah, that um, that would have been a drought in 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 my mind. Yeah, it's it's like. I feel like a couple of years ago, he understood that was one of the positives to Game Pass for him. Was like, hey, I might not be able to get FIFA Day One on Game Pass, sure, but there's a plenty of studios that need money, and the fact that you can write them a check and they will gladly say yes, at least six months exclusive to Xbox and launch Day One on Game Pass. That's a benefit to him to overcome the fact that, I mean. Yeah, like if you're lining up the three companies, right? The three, the big three, the one that has the least until they acquired Bethesda has been Microsoft. It, it, there's been no mm-hmm. question about that. So, you know, sure, we're getting to a point where, especially once you have Activision in tow, they're going to have a lot of studios that could put stuff out there. But the other side of this is, of course, for whatever reason, last year, they really went heavy on their first party tiles. And now because of these delays, they've paid for it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, obviously I think they wanted to get to that point where they could say, we've got this from us this quarter and this from this. And because of COVID and everything else, it just didn't happen. Maybe next year is when that really takes off. Uh, you know, I think if it Look, does, then it, it gets really interesting really fast, right? If you I- ever get to that point where once every four months, you're guaranteed one major release from microsoft studios that that's all that's almost an unbeatable strategy particularly yeah. when you combine it with game pass because mm. and look you know i've been i've been waiting for exclusives to be just barreling out for the longest time i mean he was doing acquisitions starting four or five years ago sure but you know if, if there's one blind spot that i have to this is that this stuff probably takes a tremendous amount of time to pay off yeah um, um, it, it's hard to think that way when Sony just has all these exclusives and Nintendo has all these exclusives. Well, if I really go back and think about it, how long did it take for Sony to really develop that reputation as a, as an exclusive studio when well, remember, in the PS one era, it was a RPG console. Well, you know, remember with them too. And it's easy to forget this now, right? Like remember PlayStation, like even with their studios, it feels like they kind of move in waves right? Like you get these waves where remember like last generation we were, we had episodes. I remember talking about this, like where we had seen all these announcements of Sony upcoming first party games and they just weren't coming. They were getting delayed or whatever. And then all of a sudden you had this little period where I guess if you wanted to go back to it, maybe like when uncharted four finally came out and then it just started building every year. Like, you know, Oh, here's days gone. Oh, now here's God of War. Ooh, here's Ghost of Tsushima. Here's, you know, Last of Us Part Two. And now it feels like, you know, now we're going to get God of War this year. And that's kind of maybe the end of this wave. I know it was quiet last year, obviously, but like kind of looking and I'm going, okay, well, after God of War Ragnarok, unless Spider-Man 2 comes out next year, that's that's about it that I can think of that I know is a Sony exclusive for next year, at least slated to come next year, you yeah. know, whether or not it does. And I'm guessing Wolverine is probably at least a year or two after that. I don't know when ghost of Tsushima part two, if, if that's coming or um, I guess we're going to get that last of us uh, part two multiplayer thing that's coming next year. So that, that is another thing. I don't want to forget that, but there's it like, a, be, it, 
it can be slow growth. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of slow growth, according to Phil Spencer, Xbox Game Pass is profitable and comprises 10 to 15% of Microsoft's gaming revenue. However, he has warned that the growth is slowing and the prices price increases may be on the way. Quote, we're seeing incredible growth on PC. On console, I've seen growth slow down mainly because at some point you reach everybody on the console that wants to subscribe. I do think at some point we'll have to raise prices on certain things. But going into this holiday, we thought it was important to maintain the prices. We've held price on the console. We've held price on games and our subscription. I don't think we'll be able to do that forever. I do think at some point we'll be we'll have to raise some prices on certain things. You know what my prediction on this is? Let's say Starfield comes out in April, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say they close the um the deal with Activision in April or or March somewhere in there, right? Maybe May at the latest. And you release Diablo 4 in June. My thing if I'm them is I'm going to hook them in (laughs) to Game Pass (laughs) on Starfield. And then I'm going to jack the price up one or two dollars probably. I think that's probably accurate. I think I could see Game Pass premium going up to $17. And then maybe raising, um, raising, what you call it, uh, the regular one to $12. In um, accordance with releasing a game that everybody's thirsting for, basically. Basically, yeah. Like, okay, oh, you want that Diablo on your on your Game Pass? Well, that's two more dollars a month you're gonna have to pay us now. Hmm. You know, and that adds up, right? Like, and you think of just how many people are going to join yeah, Game Pass for gonna, those people to pay that. Yeah, especially it, on it's PC. Not, it's not the prices being raised. Mm-hmm. It's as as long as you give people a justification for that raise. Yeah, it's like. It's like let's put let's make all our Activision let's make all our Blizzard games free to play on consoles. Mm. It's like that tier system for for PlayStation, which we'll get into in a little bit. But that might be what they have to do. Um, tier uh, Tier one is all our basic Game Pass games. Tier two is get access to our Bethesda games. Tier three is get access to Bethesda games. Uh, as and Blizzard games and mm. Activision games, <laughs> Call I don't know if they the, would do that. tier, the Activision tier, the Blizzard tier. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they could, if they want to do that. Well, they can't even put Call of Duty on there for forever because of the deals they have with PlayStation, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they can make it free though. They yeah. can make free. They can make so it. That, uh, that would be the thing. You, you get it free. They could bring back guitar hero and put it on there as a tier i'd play that <laughs> you you play dj hero that's what yeah, you I play would. yeah i play all of them man i love them <laughs> and then they ruined it they ruined it um I'll, you know, i will tell this story not for as long as i can i'm gonna i'm gonna in case anybody's new to the show when i lived with chris he traded in a playstation 3 and a couple of games and walked out of GameStop, actually EB Games. You walked out of EB Games with DJ Hero. <laughs> Did you have any leftover funds, or was that yes, the whole shebang? Yes. Okay. I, it was just that point where I was like, "There's nothing I'm playing on this PlayStation Three." And you know, I, I'll be honest, it was back in those days where yes. I was a young man, and I definitely did not have the disposable income I do now. Right. 
and he stayed home from work the next day. Mm-hmm. I came home from I came home from work. We worked at we work at the same place. I came home from work and he's sitting there. I'll never forget this. He's sitting there wrapped in a blanket with his hair oily and matted to his skull. <laughs> just, yeah. just I used to have hair, and- folks. <laughs> used to have a lot of hair. He would yeah, just- he did. He had a lot of hair. And he was just turning that table, man. He was just focused. <laughs> it was so funny. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, you know, John, you if I could get a DJ hero, a guitar hero, and a rock band, that would be a great set of three games that would make me happy to have. You might Pass. call that a three-game deal. Right? Speaking of a three-game deal, Marvel and EA have entered into a three-game deal to make action-adventure video games. This deal, as we've reported previously, begins with the uh, Iron Man game that was announced by uh, coming from EA Motive. With all future titles coming to console and PC, details are sparse or sparse, uh, but each game will feature its own original story set in the Marvel Universe. EA is looking for further ex- to further expand its portfolio past its sports games, uh, which have recently been more of the dominant and and still their highest source of revenue. Uh, Chris, I don't know about you. I don't. I'd like to know what you'd like to see as far as a superhero game. I'd like to see an Ant Man game. That would I wouldn't fun. mind having an Ant Man game. What I'd that, like to see a, from a gameplay perspective, they could do some really cool things with that. I'll be honest here. What I'd like to see is EA not making Marvel games. Um, oh, come yeah, on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, they just, they have to earn my trust. <laughs> unless, That's unless, cool. unless it's a, what you call it? Not even, not even Bioware. Um, what you call it? The folks behind uh, Jedi Fallen Order or whatever it's called, uh, Fallen Jedi and uh, Apex. What's their names? I can't remember it. The folks that used to do Infinity Ward. Titanfall, all that kind of stuff. If they want to make a game, then they seem to be the one really great studio over there right now. Um, Ant-Man would be fun. Hopefully with the Iron Man game, you would think that they would just go, well, we had this thing called Anthem that was trash, but was a perfect Iron Man simulator (laughs) when you were in the open world. So maybe that can be incorporated. Um, Trying to think of some others that they could go for. I would like to see an X-Men game. You know, I would, I I don't need everything to be realistic graphics or trying to be the MCU, right? Like I would take a, something that actually looked like a comic from them. If it was mm-hmm. like, I could play as, you know, any of the mutants from the X-Men world and, and kind of do kind of like Mar- Marvel ultimate team, something like that. That'd be fun, but I don't know. Respawn. Don't Thank you. Crimson respawn. respawn. Yeah. I know we're kind of getting a black Panther game soon, but. Mm-hmm. that's supposed to be is that amy henning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with uh it's like a crossover black panther captain america mm-hmm. yeah i'm uh, hoping that is good because i mean that shouldn't be too hard to do right just put mm-hmm. the man in wakanda and have someone trying to come in and steal stuff from wakanda and plus fighting nazis i mean yeah come on. there you go there you go nazis are trying to take over wakanda done you know, that, you, that game will make billions. Well, you know who won't? 
Facebook and Quest Company Meta is currently getting majorly hassled by investors due to another quarter of massive losses in its VR and Metaverse division. Quarterly earnings revealed the Reality Labs division, which covers these efforts, saw $3.7 billion losses from operations. Meta's VR and Metaverse are bringing in revenue of only $285 million. I'd like to know what where that revenue is coming from. Um <laughs> Uh, definitely a case of spending more money than it's taking in. In other news, the MetaQuest 3 headset is coming next year. Am um, I wrong in saying the MetaQuest 3 headset is not specifically a gaming headset? Like, I saw a commercial no. with a headset where someone, a musical artist, was, like, raising up the bass and things in, like, a makeshift studio. That's the new one that they just put out here, like, last week. That's, like, the non-gaming one that costs fifteen hundred dollars that mm-hmm. i have no idea why anyone is buying or they think it's gonna buy like they're i don't understand meta i don't yeah. understand like if someone like you can't understand meta meta mm-hmm. there's a problem i understand metaverses i want to get that clear i do think we're moving to that i don't understand mark zuckerberg's goal for making a metaverse happen like to me and the thing is, it's like, it makes no sense because if you think about it, if you really want to go back to it and you just take about like, take out the VR aspect of it, Facebook really is the first kind of metaverse out there that I could think of. Like if you go way back when Mark Zuckerberg is going around and saying, I'm going to make Facebook communities for each college. Like you've got to go to a college, right? And it was a really cool place to be in and you could organize with all your friends and you were, you were posting things on Facebook. I'm not talking about Facebook today, young kids. I'm talking about like when it launched and you didn't have advertisers or anything. Right. And it was cool. It was hip and it naturally built itself so that when Eventually, when you had all the colleges and you finally broke down that wall and let the general public come in, they all wanted in. And of course, all the advertisers wanted in and they made a ton of money for a number of years. Here, he seems to be doing the reverse. He's like, I'm going to do it all through business (laughs) and then people will come in, which is not the way you sell it. Because, you know, to that point, Fortnite is probably Fortnite and Roblox, I think, are probably arguably the two most successful metaverses out there. NBA 2K is up there as well. Um, Minecraft, right? And it's because those are people who have lived in this world and shared things. They're having fun. They're not thinking of it as a product, a business. They're thinking of it as a place where they exist. I can go play Fortnite, and if I want, I can be Superman. I can be Spider-Man. I can be LeBron James now, apparently. You know, all that kind of stuff. And bringing it in, whereas, like, when Epic decides to make it more and more livable and more and more shops and everything else, they've got a natural place to build out. Meanwhile, Meta is over there making terrible-looking VR avatars that look way behind everything else. And it doesn't have that. It's just like, hi, I'm Mark Zuckerberg. I'm a robot. I am now in Paris. Look at me. Isn't this cool? Come be in my verse. I don't understand it. I don't think it's wise at all. And I will, I mean, after I watched Jim Cramer sit there and cry and apologize for telling people to invest in this company, I'm like, 
I'll be honest. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg might be the CEO of this company at the end of next year if something doesn't change very quickly for them. <laughs> they are bleeding. You just don't get, you don't need Androids running your company. No, you need subscribers, John. That's what you need. Unless you've got something else. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's talk I know, about I know that. it's not like your big topic. So I was like, I'll just rain on this for a minute. <laughs> so, um, where are we? Yeah, there we go. Sony yeah. has uh, lost some subscribers mm. and that might not be bad news compared comparatively speaking mm -hmm. uh, but playstation plus has lost almost 2 million subscribers since the revamped subscription service relaunched in june and newly revised tiers it is now down from 47.3 million to a whopping 45.4 <gasps> sony has indicated that the ratio of gamers to ps5 is higher than it was on ps4 uh this fact is leading to the doubling down strategy of accelerating the adoption of PS5 hardware to quote recover the user engagement going forward. Did the price go up for the base subscription? I don't think it did. No. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think uh I think it just has to do with uh, to me this is a transitional loss. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, people are, you know, people are like, I'm not I can't find a PS5. I'm not play I'm not paying my I'm not playing my PS4. Why would I have this subscription for what I'm not using? Yeah. So, so, so their strategy is, I think it's relatively sound. It is, they get supply back out there and more people will adopt and then they'll get, they'll get the number back. Two million's not that much in the grand scheme of what they're trying to do. So it, it, to me, it, it's not a translation of the tier system has hurt them. Um, I don't, I was worried that it would, but um, if this continues to go down, they'll just maybe just abandon the tier and just make it, a one-stop shop. Here's all the stuff. Here's the, here's how much it costs. Yeah. I think uh, like the big thing is the, the second tier seems to be the one, right? Cause there's really not a, like, unless you want PS3 games, they haven't really offered too much at their highest tier that like, it feels like you need to go pay for that right now. Right. It seemed like, cause then you don't need like, for instance, when they were giving away stray, you didn't need to have the highest tier to get that. Oh, I thought you did. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I know there's game demos. Mm. Something to do with the cloud. <laughs> Something to do with the cloud. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head what the perks are. Yeah. But um, I, 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 I thought in the beginning this should have just been, here's what, here's what you get, here's the cost. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. They're going with their classic, you know, <clears throat> plan of phase one, collect underpants. Phase two, phase three profit. What the heck is that? <laughs> you never seen that? You never seen the I'm underpants? There's a, there's a South Park episode with these underpants gnomes. There are these gnomes that go around stealing everyone's <laughs> underpants, and their capitalistic plan is to first collect underpants. Phase two is a mystery. It's just a question mark, and phase three is profit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's how All they right. explain it. <laughs> Um, you know, speaking of a way to make profit though, John, see, I found a way to circle it back. Sony has now shipped more than 25 million PS5 consoles to date as the company continues to ramp up production 
It sold 3.3 million PS5s in the previous quarter, leading up to September 30th, with a 5.7 million PS5 uh, sold since the beginning of the financial year in April 2022. This, however, leaves an uphill battle to reach the goal of 18 million consoles by March of 2023, according to Sony's executive deputy president and CFO Hiroki Tokyo? Oh, Takoki? I don't know. Tiktoki? I don't know how to say that name, Joe. We recognize that the demand from customers for the PS5 continues to be strong as the actual sales situation at retail stores in the U.S. is such that in September it took an average of 17.5 hours to sell out of 100,000 units after their arrival. To meet the strong demand, we will do our utmost to bring forward supply in the year-end holiday selling season and aim to exceed our financial year 2022 forecast of 18 million. I don't know if he'll get to the 18 million, but I have no problem. If you want to go ahead and let me bet you $500 that PlayStation 5 will be the top-selling console this holiday season, I'll make that bet. I don't think that's a bet I will take. But <laughs> if they can put these, I, I mean, I don't know. I think if they put these things on the shelf, yeah, um, they can get to the 18 million. If they give people, if they give 18 million people the opportunity to buy them, they'll get to the goal. Sure. And you would find probably the most, <laughs> the highest selling console of all time in a six month period. <laughs> oh man. Like, yeah. What? So they need to sell. Was that about twelve million, a little over twelve million, to get there? So if they could sell, if somehow they pulled out eight million, and we never like to pull out, but you know, um, by December, yeah, by the end of the holiday season, and then you think the first quarter of next year, they sell another four million, especially during tax season. Mm -hmm. I guess it would be possible. Yep. So, uh. They are, I think I read somewhere that they are definitely trying to ramp up for Black Friday. They're mm. trying to put as many of these things on the shelf as they can. I, I've noticed with the PlayStation Direct website, it feels like as long as you're willing to buy, you know, like the Call of Duty version bundle, right? Or I'm guessing you're very shortly the God of War bundle. Um, They seem to do a good job of keeping them in, in stock. It's not like, we're not at the point at the very least, even with those sites, right? Where you have to go, the direct open queue opens at 3 PM today and you have to click and hope your number is not 9,872 versus, you know, I don't know, 20 <laughs> to have any hope of getting one, which is a good sign. Um, you know, it seems like they're going to be profitable. And, you know, when a game is really profitable john what do they do they remake it well let's talk about that cd project (laughs) red has announced that it will remake the witcher the original witcher the og uh in unreal engine 5 this is Mm. one of the five this is one of the five new games the company announced earlier this month which previously went by the code name uh canis majoris let me move that over here so it's centered so i can read it I'm getting old. Uh, However, the company has cautioned, quote, we want to do this right, so please be patient. It's going to be a while until we can share some more details. The Witcher is where it all started for us, the CD Projekt Red. 
for CD Projekt Red. It was the first game we ever made, and it was a big moment for us then. Going back to this place and remaking the game for the next generation of gamers to experience, it feels just as big, if not bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Miss you, Sean. Um, I'm excited about this because I will admit one of the reasons I've always stopped myself from playing Witcher 3 or getting really into it Mm -hmm. is because I feel like I'm missing out on two previous games. And those, those games always seemed, even though they're Xbox 360, always seemed a little bit unapproachable maybe in a sense of the way that the original mass effect is you have to keep in mind they were originally made first and foremost for pc both of those games and then poured over so oh it was oh they ported them yeah they poured them um for the record because it's called canis majoris i'm just going to call this code name dog bear i don't know why (laughs) just sounds like that's what it's going for it, it kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> Old dog bear. I can't wait for they release that dog bear game. Um, I will you be with your, uh, with your, um, yeah, my, my knowledge, your star knowledge. Yeah. My star called? knowledge. Astrology knowledge. Yeah. I took that in college. I did not wake up early enough to do it, <laughs> but I remember that part. Um, but, um, I think it's cool. Like to me, the first two Witcher games are kind of their own thing. Like there are things that definitely tie into it, right? But there, uh, something happens with Geralt that is undone by the end of the second game that makes it kind of more possible to have a more traditional tied story for the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I I hope this goes well. I want it to go well. I'm always rooting for Witcher projects and and all that. And I think a lot of people never played those first two games. Um, You know, and if, especially if they could come back and they can remake them, you know, I would actually like it for them to come back and remake them in the vein of Witcher 3, because I don't know how accessible these are going to be if they are just true remakes of, you know, or, well, of course, it's just being the first one of that first game. Like, you know, that is a young studio figuring itself out and it got a lot of praise, but (laughs) there's a reason why a lot of people have not been able to go back and replay the first one, (laughs) which is that it's very much a game of its time. So. Yeah. The only thing I would caution them, they seem to be, they seem to be uh, throwing up a lot of projects Mm -hmm. um, when, when they could barely prove that they could handle one big project. And I, I know that they're giving everybody the caveat and I believe them when they say it, please be patient. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, I think they're, they're adhering to the whole, when it's done, we'll talk about it, but I just wish they wouldn't have announced it. Here's mm-hmm. what we're doing. Be patient. They're trying to make investors happy. I think right now they're just going to be that's like, look, we I, promise you, we, we got witchers and we got cybers and they're coming. We promise you. And I do think with this, the one thing, that makes me hopeful that it's not going to be like coming in 2020 or 2033 is I believe why they are supporting it. It's actually being led by another studio. Like they are overseeing it. Um, and it's another Polish studio. I can't remember the name of it, but it is like a Polish studio so that they can work very close in connection and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, John, we've, we've arrived at that moment that I have to say something before I read this. I apologize, but I have to say it. Say it, baby. Finally, this week, it's not spooky anymore.
Because, you know, it's, it's no longer spooky season. It's Mariah Carey season, John. Oh, oh. God, that's, that's spooky. <laughs> it is spooky. Uh, Lynn Schofield would like to apologize for working hard, John. The director of Callisto Protocol has addressed a tweet where he proudly celebrated his team working hard towards the completion of the Callisto Protocol. The director has now taken accountability for putting the team through crunch. The deleted tweet said he was proud of his team working six to seven days a week in the after hours in order to finish the game. The truth is I messed up. We're a smallish team and we're so good about it through the entire development, but at the end I messed up and we worked more than we should have. That one got away from us. He has committed to avoiding this for future projects. I would say I don't think they are a very big team, right? So I do think this is a little bit more unique. And saying that you did it towards the end, I don't think people have a problem with that as much, right? No, like he got, he got. Oh, really I'm sure. Look. Twitter world is going to do what Twitter world does. You know, that, 100%, yeah, 100%. You know, uh, but you know, like I get both things. Like on one hand, yes. Like rockstar making people work six to seven days a week for a year is not a healthy thing. On the other hand, a team, a small team that's very passionate and trying to launch a studio that hopefully will be successful. Right and they can build from there and have a great chance to be something special, maybe. Coming together in the last two months or so of development and saying we're committed to making this work because we believe in this and everyone being all in, as long as someone's not being pressured, and I know that can be a really hard thing to show, right? Because, you know, if everyone, if, if you got 10 people on the team and nine people are committed and you got that one person's like, I'm going through things, but I'm not going to say anything right now because I don't want to be outed. I get that too, <laughs> you know, but um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I guess it's just a reminder PR wise. Don't post things about how many hours your team is working on Twitter. Say it to them. Say it to their faces in private, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, and I'm, I've always been a huge fan of glenn schofield for obvious reasons mm -hmm. uh, but i think the i think the biggest mistake he made was not for crunching sure but from for caving to the like you said the twitter mob that does not reflect what most people in the world care about anyway mm -hmm. it's just and, and you know anybody who understands a deadline you've been through it i've been through it sure People, people in, in certain media want to create a world that is all rosy where crunch, as they call it, that's a term invented by them, doesn't exist. Come in at eight, take an hour lunch, go home at five yeah. and enjoy your weekend. But, you know, these projects, most of these projects have high visibility. The type of things you and I do don't have a huge amount of visibility in the entertainment world. I mean, there's not, there's, it's like, it's like, we got to get this thing. I mean, we, you and I have both crunched as, as they call it. Sure. And I, and I think that, I think that there are times when these things can be absolutely abused 100%. Yeah. But it's like, it's like a certain group of people has decided they're going to demonize 100% of crunch when you really should be demonizing 30% of it, maybe 40% of it. Well, yeah. And that's the problem. It, I mean, and the red dead thing is perfectly fair. I'm not that yeah. upset about the red dead thing, but I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like 
that's the problem that sometimes goes on when you live in the world of social media, uh, metaverse, I guess. Um, (laughs) which is like, they, they have a problem of differentiating things and, and kind of going, yes, this is bad. Like versus CD project red. We just talked about them. What they did where they crunched them for like a year, forced the game to come out before it was ready. Right. And then basically then had to crunch them right afterwards after they had done all this work and they were supposed to gain relief because the game is broken and they're getting hounded by the press and all the players and everything else. You know, that's the kind of thing that is, you know, soul breaking to people and would probably make me if I was in that kind of team and I was in that situation, I'd be coming home and being like, is there a job somewhere else? You know, can I, you know, I don't want to work in a place like that. On the other hand, yeah, a small team like this going, look, we know we're there guys, you know, and maybe you call that meeting and you say, we got two options here. You know, we can all adhere to just working eight hour days and see where this goes. And more than likely we push the date back or we can really try to make this date. And it's just a understanding that, Hey, you know, you have to get done what you have to get done. And we don't want you working say 90 hours, but we'd really like it if you were coming in and putting extra time in as you can see fit and maybe giving us an extra day every week. And it's like, yeah, you need a day off, take that day, rest yourself, you know, like, hey, it's th- like, those are it's, two it's, different things. <laughs> hey, it's like, hey guys, if you if you want this game to come out after Dead Space, yes, then, then go home at five. Mm-hmm. But but the threat of this thing coming out after Dead Space is a very real threat. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not it's not it's not hyperbole. This thing needs to come out before Dead Space. If you look, what was it? IGN had a poll. I saw here it said like, what upcoming horror game are you most anticipating? The number one was Callisto Protocol. Number two yeah. was Dead Space. Um, you know, and I think that tells you something. Like, there are a lot of people who are fans fans of Glenn Schofield, and they want to see hit this be successful. A lot of people are writing on this being successful just because EA did that studio so wrong. <laughs> And so, yeah. so terrible. Um, and, and, and for the audience's education, not that they don't know this, but yeah. Glenn Schofield was the, one of the key contributors of the original Dead Space game. Which Correct. Is why you see the similarities that you do. Whereas in- I think we're all like looking at Dead Space Remake and we want to be good, but we know what it also is. It's a studio after forever, just finally stepping back and go like, oh yeah, remember that time we had a great property that we just, didn't know how to manage at all <laughs> and ran the studio into the ground. Hey, let's hire some new people and let them remake a dead space game so they can learn how to do it. And then we can make new dead space games and make money off of it. And so like, if you're, if you're asking me personally, I think it's probably true for you who I'm fighting for to be the more successful in that, who I want to see get all the accolades and success. I'm not saying I'm rooting against those people at EA, but I'm rooting against the company EA because of just what they are. I want to see Glenn Schofield and people be successful the way I wanted to see the folks at respawn be successful when they got kicked to the curb by Activision, you know, (laughs) That's where I'm at. I hear you. Absolutely. I I understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just want good games. That's true. Um, And I I want people to be able to get some good quality sleep and make a good game. So that's where (laughs) I'm at with that. Very true. You know what I want? 
Uh, you can't say it on air. <laughs> <laughs> no, John, I just want to wrap this up. Oh, okay. This should be safe. <laughs> if Sean was here, he would go, Never! Mail from the future or something. All the way from the other I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we here at Weekly Games Chat always appreciate it when you write your thoughts, prayers, and opinions in, um, especially when you tell us how much you love us. Not so much when you tell us we're, we're terrible. But we'll take those too. If you want to write those opinions, you can write them to weeklygameschat at gmail.com. Just like these four gentlemen did this week. We got four of them, John. You want to read the f- two bottom ones and I read the two top ones? Or, well, or read two of them sequentially, whatever you want. Okay, I could do that. I'll, I'll go here to first up, good old Alejandro. He's, he's kind of, you know... He's like Cal Ripken. He shows up every day. <laughs> He's ready to do his work to keep these episodes from being Thanos by me. Uh, and I got to say, he's a great writer. Yes. Very witty. I wonder if he he has a career as a columnist if he wanted to be. For sure. Uh, he, he titled this one Surprise. And he says, gentlemen, last week I asked you about the year's biggest gaming disappointments. Let's turn that frown upside down. What was this year's most pleasant surprise? For me, the surprise was Sean's biggest <laughs> biggest disappointment wasn't his 10 teraflop 130 decibel PS5. <laughs> Cause you know, he's got a fan, John, that uh, you know, blows 150 billion decibels per second. Um so, what were your amazeball moments? Unexpectedly yours, Alejandro. This was sent from his 10-pound bag of candy corn, <laughs> which is a throwback from last week. I still stand behind it. Candy corn is a great American invention, uh, and we should always be proud of it. Let's see. Should I go first? You, me? If you got one. Yeah, I think, obviously, um, you know, Immortality wasn't on my radar at the beginning of the year because I just didn't know it existed. And I've, 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 I've definitely said very, very good things about that. Um, really happy that Tunic turned out as well as I thought it would. And I forgot, I forgot that was this year. Mm-hmm. And Cult of the Lamb was uh, a nice hidden gem when it came out on Steam. There's, 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 I mean, even like Roller uh, Drone too. I could throw in there. I've had a couple this year that I've been like, oh, wow, that was cool. I like that. Yeah. For me, it's Ravenous Devils. Uh, Ooh, yeah. A mile. That one just really, you know, it's, it was it was the first time I ever played a game like that, like that cooking simulator, and I just loved it. it that was kind of the template that got me, here's a cooking simulator, but it takes place in Victoria, England, and it's about a couple of serial killers. That really, I, I just, I I played that one really hard 
really hard, almost as hard as I played Gotham Knights. The sad part is now because of the Dahmer series, I'm just imagining you now playing this game with your wife in the room going, we're going to watch a video game (laughs) and just putting on that game as you slaughter people and toss them down the sheet. Turn Uh, them into zombies. Right. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, thank you, Alejandro. It's always appreciated. Very good email again. Next up. Uh, We've got from Curtis here, or Kurt, Lurker Kurt, it says, Video games first, anime last, <laughs> is the title. Good job on reviewing Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It was nice having anime and video games come together on one of my favorite podcasts. However, as a longtime anime fan, you come to realize the target demo for anime is teenagers and very young adults. You're not wrong. Coming to anime after a certain point in life is impossible. That said, only wanted to recommend one anime, a movie that runs just under two hours, he says, uh, because it's a video game related and involves John's favorite person on the earth, Hideo Kojima. It's called Genocidal Organ. It's for adults and semi-related to the Mel Gear franchise. It was written by Satoshi Ito, a Mel Gear superfan, Mel Gear Solid 4 was dedicated to him, and I think he wrote one of the Mel Gear Solid novels. He was a close friend of Kojima that unfortunately passed away. Ah. He did other shows, but this was but this one was an okay shoot 'em up uh with classic Mel Gear intrigue. I can hear the keyboards clacking for listeners' favorite anime, probably including the words the animation in the title, because it usually hints it derives from a video game but it's usually just a run-of-the-mill money grab. Don't want your inbox flooded by weebs advocating for their favorite anime. I only recommended this one because it's produced by Hideo Kojima. This is a video game podcast, and it should stay that way if you're ever slow on titles, uh, though it is watchable. Game On from Lurker Kirk. He also has another part um, that says don't read yeah. this. Yeah, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't read it. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to go with that part. But yes, uh that said, uh, yeah, I mean, I've never seen that, but that does not shock me that Hideo Kojima with all his pop cultureness, you know, and all the projects he's involved in would eventually have a, an anime dealing with his works, right. Or that he would also give tribute. I probably, the sad part is I probably saw that when I played Metal Gear Solid 4 and didn't even realize that's, <laughs> who or why he was dedicating it to him. Um, but you know, that is out there. Go, go find it if you can, uh, and maybe give it a watch. Maybe I will. Who knows? He is right about anime. I, 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 unless it's something, unless it's about a video game property I care about, or it's avatar. (laughs) I can't, I can't do anime. I'm just too old. It's, it's like, there's this part I remember when I was probably 14 of Josh showing me first Dragon Ball and then like, you know, going from there and going, Oh, like they used to have Toonami. I think they still have Toonami on Cartoon Network, but like that was when you'd see things like Gundam, you know? Um, and then like eventually start watching Cowboy Bebop and, and all that. And it's great. And there are people who they swear by it, but yeah, I'm with you. Like it's really, it's kind of like, trying to think of a it's like tactical rpgs if you didn't get into them at a certain point 
I think unless you have something that really ties you to it, like for in your case, John Mario, <laughs> it's a, it's a hard sell. Like I could try all I want to sell the idea of a tactical RPG to John, but if you've never done that, it's a lot to take in a lot of times <laughs> and you know, not fun necessarily for, for someone unfamiliar. Um, you want to do these next two, John? Yeah, this one comes from Tucker. Hey, guys. Ooh. Thank you guys so much for responding to my email last week and answering my question. You're welcome. I used your insight along with some other research, and I have come to the conclusion that Hinokami Chronicles has the gameplay and content I am looking forward to. Ooh. I couldn't have done it without you guys. I got super liminal. Super liminal? Yeah. On Halloween night and had a playthrough with my brothers and it absolutely destroyed their minds. My question for you guys is what are some other games out there that I can get that will blow my friends away? Hmm. In other news, I'm part of my high school marching band and we play a selection of 2018's God of War. Awesome. And we will be headed to our state competition this weekend. If we could get thoughts and prayers from you guys as well as other listeners this week, that would be amazing. I used to be in a marching band. It's hard work. I heap much respect for you. Thanks, you guys, so much, and can't wait for Gotham Knights. Sincerely yours, and game on, Ender. Yeah. Chris, I might, I might have, like, stroked out last week. Was it last week he was asking this question? I don't remember it. Yes, it was last week he asked. Uh... Was I here last week? You were, uh, he wanted to ask us about cyberpunk edge runners last week. Um, but then, um, he asked us what our opinions were on games based on anime. And he said at the time he was personally invested in demon slayer franchise. Um, but he wanted to learn more about the game demon slayer, which we, I think we just said at the time we didn't really know much about. Right. Um, that said, okay. I mean, if you're looking for other anime game, anime based games, I mean, go, go show them Persona, right? Like people love some Persona. Tales of Arise has that anime, um, style to it, and I actually found that really fun. Nier Automata is one of the craziest games ever made, and I love it. I mean, one moment you're on a spaceship and you're fighting things, and then you're hacking in your little triangle going around shooting orbs and then you're slicing people up with a blade and then yeah you're gonna get anime with any platinum game you'd get for yeah. the most part pretty so. much bayonetta, bayonetta. <laughs> there you go go play the bayonetta games heck even the wonderful 101 to a point mm -hmm. mel gear rising mm -hmm. there's was that one. platinum yes it was really yeah. i didn't realize that yeah. All right. Well, this comes from Austin. What's up, guys? What apologies, up? apologies for not addressing each you each of you individually. I'm a meathead who cannot remember names or worse enough, spell them right, but I can remember a Richard's face once I see them. Wait, John, what? <laughs> John, just for a record, what was the title of this email? In a world. Thank you. Okay. Honestly, I've been listening to WGS. WGS. See, we're just gonna go. We're just going to go C. Yeah. WGC. For about, for about four years, starting from your coverage of Monster Hunter World. Oh. Since then, I found myself looking at games in a different lens now. Even, lis even listen to story lore videos of games I can't get enough of, like Metal Gear Solid, the Halo series, Final Fantasy XIV, and Destiny from BYF. 
Um, BYF. Biff, BYF. Bring your friend. <laughs> yeah. I um, usually listen to them as I go to sleep, as I find the story and mood of the vids more interesting than Odyssey. That's funny. Dude, Walked into uh, that one. I, you, did you know, by the way, we never got confirmed, but I think I just got a message in that said, uh, confirmed, Odyssey, not as good as uh, Gotham Knights. Just not. Okay, I'm out. This is this is over. Uh, with that being said, my question is: Do you guys have a story to a game that you like or even hate? In which games would you, hold on? Do you guys have a story to a game that you like or even hate? And which games would you like to see on the big screen or via TV by Netflix or oh, by Netflix, of course? Wow. I got to say, the best story this year so far is the tragedy of the PS5 and its battle of transformed life or death by Sean. Okay. Uh, the uh, the death of his PS5 and I guess how it's been transformed into a monster. <laughs> this has been an upwards hill battle and a lot of thrill. Yeah. Thank you guys for truly being the absolute greatest podcast for video games on the, and on this side of on this side of the galaxy. You bring joy to us listeners every day and look forward to hearing you all every week. Game on. Peace out. Thugs life. Never wrap it up. Ooh. So is he asking a, a real world story of our lives? I'm trying Being to turn into a movie? Yeah, I'm like trying to okay, hold on. Story to a ready, game I was that ready you to like. this question until he talked about Sean. He says, Do you guys have a story to a game that you like or even hate? Um that we would like to see. Oh, it's a two part question. Yeah, I think it's like first, would you like to see that on the big screen, or uh, which games we would like to see on the big screen? Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, part Part two is what games would you like to see on the big screen? Part one is, mm. do you have a story behind a game uh, uh, that applies to a personal story you have, an experience you have about a game? And then he invoked Sean's story about his PS5. I wouldn't mind seeing the story of me and Metal Gear Solid 5 where I think I told on the podcast where I basically went through this place all through the night <laughs> working and trying to get this one person freed and realizing it was uh, the dawn was approaching and it was go time for now or never because the guards were about to swap out because that happens. They, they have shifts, right? So I called in the helicopter and I'm running, just gunning. <laughs> you know just trying to get this guy out <laughs> taking off and and you know and then put on hall notes and and see as you as you fly out of the mission area um, i tried to tell you john you'd like hideo kojima games if you would just give them a try <laughs> um but you know as far as the Something I would like to see on the big screen that's a video game i mean i'd like a mass effect you know, series that would you know, I like Bioware. I said it. What? Fight me. What about you, John? I've uh I don't mean to cop out of this question, but I've stopped having desires like this to see something. I've in my in my experience now, i I like video games where they are and I like movies where they are. That's fair. Some sometimes it works, but honestly, nine times out of ten, unless you're turning it into a Netflix anime series like Castlevania or Cyberpunk, it's not mm-hmm. going to work. True. It's just not going to work. Maybe I could think of one error. If Dave Filoni wants to do The Old Republic with Darth Revan, 
I would be down for that. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could I, get back. I would, that. I, I might be down for that. Too. <laughs> but that's a movie. That's a game based on a film franchise. Based that's, on a movie, that would be a movie based on a game that's based on a movie. That's true. <laughs> um. All right, let me look at our Twitter real quick. Well, you know, um, you're good. It's eight thirty. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it is. Um, we'll just see. Did we have any messages? I'll look at that. We did have oh, one. You're good. It's eight thirty. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, no, that was just a reaction. That was uh, that's funny. Okay. Oh wait. Okay, here we go. No, no, no. This is good. Uh, this comes from Tone, and he wrote and said, "Hey, Sean, Chris, and Jeff's brother." Nice. Yeah, that's a callback. Just wanted to say that candy corn is one of the greatest tragedies of the human race. Weirdly enough, though, if you eat it with peanuts, it tastes identical to the payday candy bar, and that's not so bad. Never tried that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Still an absolute tragedy, though. Also, Chris's Plague Tale intro this week made me feel like I could run through a brick wall and fight in a battle that leads me to my death and arrival into Valhalla. Have a great week, guys, and game on. I think that's pretty good email or note there. So I want to make sure to share that one. We'll leave the discord stuff because I can't really pull that up easily for Sean next week. But that said, this has been episode 379 of weekly games chat. Uh, We discussed Gotham Knights and John had a pretty unique take on it. If you want to hear other episodes of our show, you can do so by subscribing on all podcast services to Weekly Games Chat, and you'll get new episodes just like this one every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. If you want to watch us record the show live, you can come to twitch.tv slash weeklygameschat at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday, and you can watch us do this live. I see us do all sorts of crazy stuff on here. Um, We miss Sean, and I miss... I guess a little bit. And we hope that he can come back next week. Uh, Who knows what we're talking about next week? I might know. But until next time, game on, John. Game on, Chris. Game on, John. Your mom's box. Thug life.